I think we're live. What's up, guys? It's the weekly Vigorous Q&A with yours truly, Vigorous Steve. All right, we have a ton of questions, so let's just get right into it. Um, this question came from YouTube. Let me zoom in a little bit so I can see it all properly. Oh, my God, why is it so slow? Oh. All right, this will work. <laughs> Filippo's Jim asks... Can growth hormone have a positive effect on general well-being so that even with a high training workload, you uh, regenerate noticeably better and thus perform better when studying for universal... Oh, where are we? For your <laughs> for university, for example. Okay, so he wants to know if growth hormone um, just gives him an overall better sense of well-being and, uh, you know, recover and regenerate better for um, school. I would say no. For most people that actually run growth hormone, they notice that they get a little bit sleepy and lethargic, even if you use it before bed. Now, will it increase, um, you know, with the recovery from your workout? Of course. Will it improve with overall skin texture, hair growth, etc., 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 right? That topical anti-aging that's purely cosmetic? Yes, it does. But most people do notice that once they start incorporating growth hormone or growth hormone secretagogues, is that their um, productivity and their overall um, focus and drive during the day might go down slightly. And of course, the more growth hormone or the more of a growth hormone secretagogue you take, the more of a pronounced effect you're going to get. So keep that in mind. Right? If you want to um, you know, get all the benefits out of growth hormone, I would take like one to two IUs before bed and that's it. Not during the day, especially if you're still going to university, because it might make you a little bit sleepy. And if you start dozing off during class, then of course it's going to detract from your productivity. So again, you have to be selective on what you use and when you use it. And if you're on a, you know, a compensating stack of ADHD medications, you know, the Adderalls and the, what is it? Uh, the Vivans and the, the other one, the Dexedrines, right? They might be able to combat um, you know, the sleepiness that you get from growth hormone. But otherwise, I would say that it's good for um, overall recovery from training, overall, overall uh, topical anti-aging benefits, but for studying, no, no, I, I wouldn't say that that's beneficial. We have nootropics for that. All right, next question is from Aaron Pollock asks, hello, Steve, much respect. I've just started my first cycle of testosterone anti 250 milligrams per week, planning on six to eight months. Nice. I can only work out three days a week, though. It's still okay. Still okay. Right? What would an example of a workout regimen uh, you would do if you only had three days? I've lifted weights my whole life, but now I'm focused. 10% uh, body fat, feeling good, feeling like a fitness model, following your guidelines. Thank you. Okay. So if you go to my website, I have several free articles there about how to structure a training protocol. And in this case, I would do a push-pull leg routine, A and B split. So one week you do maybe a little bit more free weight and the next week you do a little bit more, um, you know, uh, machines, for example. And of course, if you do push pull legs, you know, during a leg day, it's going to be tough to do and squats and walking lunges and stiff legged deadlifts and, uh, you know, maybe some, uh, you know, very, very heavy uh, calf work. So you have to structure that accordingly. So maybe you do. Uh, one week you do only do squats and heavy calf work and then the next week on the b routine of the push pull legs you do the stiff legged deadlifts and you go a little bit harder on the hamstrings right this way you have a lot of overlap or uh, not so much overlap of the exercises you don't have to do the same exercise exercise week in way out but if you kind of structure it like this and this is uh, honestly i just started the exact same protocol because i do push pull legs so i can just show you my notes 
right? Maybe you guys can see that. So, oh, it's mirrored. That sucks. All right, so this is push A, and then I got to push B to me studio lights. Push B, and then, you know, pull A, pull B, and I kind of keep, keep track of my lifts and see how I'm progressing, right? And I make some adjustments along the way to kind of make it perfect for myself. I do like two sets, not really working sets because I keep a couple reps in reserve because I'm not really on the PED train. I mean, you're on a lot more tests than I am. <laughs> so you can facilitate a lot more recovery and actually train to failure and recover from that stuff. But if you only can train like three days a week, I would just do push-pull legs, but rotate it between an A and B routine. You can find examples on my website in the um, the training section of the articles uh, page of my website. And then you just read through that and basically copy that if you want to and then make some adjustments with the equipment that's available at your gym and then start uh, kicking some ass. I mean, six to eight months, you'll uh, put on a lot of tissue. And if you can turn that into a, a four day uh, per week workout regimen, you know, we have a little bit more free time, then obviously you're going to build more muscle. So you have let's say uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday to train. Then you have push A, pull A, legs A, and then push uh, B, right? And then the next week you continue with the B routine and then you add in the A routine at the end of the week. So this way you kind of have a little bit of less overlap um, regarding the exercises and a little bit more recovery capability in the meantime. All right, next one. Oh, not this one, we already answered that. John Prather asks, when using Anadrol, mainly for its carb loading benefits, do you think the added standalone from oral administration is beneficial or is sublingual administration good enough? Um, I never recommended anybody to take Anadrol sublingually while uh, carb loading. I would usually recommend like half a tablet or a quarter tablet or sometimes a whole tablet with each meal. Uh, again, depends on the level of development and how much weight they needed to lose to, um, you know, make weight for a particular weight class. And if we needed to really deplete with a little bit of fasting at the end. So again, you know, the anadrol protocol and, and perhaps insulin and creatine and man, whatever else you can basically load into the skeletal muscle after you've been depleted that hard. You know, anadrol is a part of that, uh, just like superdrol or halotestin is a part of that. Maybe not in that uh, triple combination, but, you know, sometimes it's required. Um, so if you only use it for its carb loading benefits, I would just take it orally because I am not sure how much the mistanolone is contributing to that. And I, I, I could do research on it. Um, you know, just investigate anadrol and standalone separately to see which of the benefits from anadrol are actually coming from standalone, and then making an uh, you know an informed decision on on how to carb load with anadrol, whether that's oral, sublingual, or uh, rectally, <laughs> which might be required sometimes if you have terrible digestive issues. I made a video about that. Look for the starfish on the the thumbnail. So, um, and, and that basically you can kind of go through the power of deduction where you research uh, enclomiphene versus clomiphene, right? Zuclomiphene is poorly investigated by itself and enclomiphene is poorly investigated by itself, but there's now close to 100 studies on enclomiphene, mostly in the context of androgen deficiency in, in men, obviously. And, uh, and then you can kind of compare it to the thousands of studies that have been performed in clomid and see where the overlap is. So you can uh, understand where these effects from clomid are coming from. Are they coming from the enclomiphene or the zuclomiphene, right? So the power of deduction, sometimes you have to take place. But it's an interesting topic. I wouldn't know. All of the recommendations I've done for carb loading um, has always been orally or, uh, well, the other administration route. 
Yeah, and then you might also miss out on the mistanolone. But usually those guys are just having terrible digestive issues and you don't want to aggravate it any further with oral anadrol. Ahmed Kalaf asks, any updates regarding your visit to Joe's doc and can you elaborate on which tests you may be undergoing? No, I haven't had a chance to meet Dr. Roland yet, um, but I will do so hopefully next week. The guy's in very high demand, one of the best doctors here in Thailand. So uh, hopefully I can meet him next week and then we'll see what kind of tests uh, I need to do. I'll bring all of my uh, recent blood work analysis with him, you know, the heavy metal screening and my full blood work analysis. And then we'll see if we need to do any more testing. Um, I'm not opposed to the idea of uh, testing my blood for graphene. And if there's anything present, then, uh, you know, depending on what I can disclose uh, publicly, <laughs> um, YouTube has its limitations. Uh, yeah, there might be some plasmapheresis taking place. But let's see, right? Uh, let's see. Ahmed Klav asks, let me see if there's any audio issues. No? All right, cool. I'm just going to go from top to bottom, guys. Because there's so many questions in the Patreon. seems that everybody's back from holiday now. Uh, Ahmed Kalaf asks, is there any merit to using natokinase and seropeptase and similar compounds to detoxify the body from spike proteins of the shots? Uh, potentially. Um, yeah, potentially. But the scientific evidence is quite limited. So ideally you get, uh, you know, some sort of diagnosis first. Is natokinase, seropeptase and lumbrokinase... I don't know, was it limbropeptase or limbrokinase? Oh, man. Lumbro something. Uh, it's been a long day. Yeah, so one of these three, I know they help with, uh, you know, cardiovascular issues. If you have plaque buildup, whether it's soft plaque or, or hard plaque, you know, you should be able to reverse some of that over time using these, uh, you know, these enzymes. Uh, but regarding spike proteins, I'm not entirely sure. I haven't done re any research into it. Um, but again, you know, natokinase, seropeptase, and the limbrokinase is getting more popular. So I should set some time aside to kind of look into it because, um, yeah, I, I guess a lot more people are getting worried about uh, global situations. Another one from Ahmed asks, uh, some people are talking about how long it takes from growth hormone after the shot to initialize its lipolytic effects. Um, so I would say, depending on the administration route, you know, the lipo, lipo, lipolytic effects, the lipolysis could occur anywhere after 30 minutes to one hour. So if you do sub-Q, maybe after one hour, it starts to work and maybe intramuscular, it starts to work within 30 minutes. But if you do it IV, probably within five minutes, but who's going to do that all the time? I mean, it's a bit uh, convoluted and cumbersome, obviously. And uh, yeah, why, 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 why waste uh, the the health of your cardiovascular system. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, there's several studies that show that 1.2 IUs is the maximum dose uh, or the, the most effective dose when it comes to lipolysis. So if you want purely fat loss out of your growth hormone, multiple shots of 1.2 IUs seem to be, um, you know, the, the most optimal way to go. Of course, this is a general population uh, with maybe a reduced metabolic rate maybe a reduced uh, muscle mass compared to two people who are, um, you know, uh, enthusiastic about their bodybuilding. And, uh, you know, other cow factors that might improve our lipolysis as well. So I would say anywhere between 1.2 to 2 IUs per uh, administration is beneficial for fat loss, which is usually what I recommend before fasted cardio and before activity. Uh, and then maybe another shot before bed if you have the financial means to afford 6 IUs of uh, growth hormone or what is it? 3.6, right? That's the bottom end of it. 
And then over time, you will lose fat, right? assuming your diet is in place because the fat still needs to go somewhere. So you still need to be in some sort of, um, you know, uh, energy uh, deficit. Ahmed asks, when using Umalog, isn't it better to time the carbs with its peak or its onset? Does the carb source matters into workout? Yes, it absolutely 100% does. Because with Umalog, of course, the peak onset and duration is, uh, so what is the peak is, no, the onset is about 15 minutes, the peak is about 30 minutes, and the uh, duration is, what, four, four and a half hours? I, I might be slightly mistaken here, uh, but I believe that's relatively close. So the carb source that you have during the Umalog administration, uh, cream of rice, seems to be quite favorable that digest fast easy to digest so you know what most people do is they have their uh, carb meal with an easy to digest protein source which is ultimately going to lower the glycemic index because all of the glycemic index uh, readings have been determined on eating these carb sources by themselves so if you have uh, cream of rice for example and the glycemic index is a uh, hundred for example right i don't know it off the top of my head let's just take a hundred you add protein you bring that glycemic index or glycemic load down to 75. you add protein and uh, you, you add vegetables to that maybe now it's 65. you add fat to that maybe it's only 50 right you add metformin to that now it's only 30. so there's a lot of things you can do to influence the rate of absorption of the food and in this case the carbohydrates and the glucose that's entering your system and um, ideally you match the humalog if you take that pre-workout with an intra-workout in the form of essential amino acids and uh, uh, what is it uh, high brand cyclic dextrins or some maltodextrins right or a combination thereof um, so that way you you kind of do your uh, humalog shots you know when you arrive to the gym and you start drinking your intro workout and by the time you do your first uh, working set let's say 15 to 20 minutes into your workout and that's usually how long it takes for me to kind of warm up you know being an old fart or getting there uh, it takes me about 20 to 30 minutes before i'm ready for my first working set and it's right around the time that the humalog will hit baby also essential amino acids and high brand cyclic dextrins um, and maybe you add some glycerol powder to that and creatine, right? To, to optimize your entire intra-workout uh, protocol, your ritual. If that's the case, it takes about 20 to 30 minutes to absorb as well. So you have your regular uh, pre-workout meal about an hour before your workout, right? Make sure that it's easy to digest. Can be a cream of rice or, um, you know, regular rice with some fish, not too much vegetables because you don't want too much bulk of your uh, meal so that it sits in your stomach, maybe uh, inhibiting your leg day or your back day, for example, if you're doing a lot of chest support stuff. And then, uh, you know, you have your pre-workout meal that's easy to digest about an hour before you go to the gym. You, you uh, go to do your workout, you pin your insulin, you start warming up with your intra-workout. And then if you time everything right, you should be, you know, bursting out of the seams by the time you did your first working set. And then the rest of the workout is just uh, pure madness. Yeah. All right. Mudasar asks, hey, Steve, why or how does cortisol increase blood glucose levels in the morning after waking up? So cortisol normally starts to rise, uh, you know, upon waking, especially if you wake up according to the alarm clock. Uh, apparently, your cortisol levels might be twice as high. <laughs> you know, if you're waking up, that's just like, oh, fuck, ah, shit, I got to do stuff. I got to go to work. Um, and uh, glucose uh, causes glycogenolysis, which is the breakdown and release of uh, glycogen stored within the liver. So usually overnight, you're, you already have a little bit of glycogenolysis. Is that the right one? 
I think that's the right one. <laughs> let, me, let me Google that. Glycogeno. Is it the right one? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Otherwise, it would look stupid. Okay. So, um, overnight, your cortisol kind of spikes, and you, of course, your growth hormone levels kind of fluctuate, you know. So, you have a little bit of lipolysis, a glycogenolysis that occurs throughout the entire night. But since your cortisol levels generally start to rise upon waking to wake you up, Right? your blood glucose might spike as well. That's why it's always important to check your fasted blood glucose levels because it's either an indication of high cortisol levels when you wake up, which you can also test, high um, uh, or losing insulin sensitivity, which you can then check with your fasting insulin levels. So if you check your uh, fasting glucose levels and your fasting insulin and your fasting cortisol levels through the power of deduction, you know what's going on within your body, right? So uh, that's basically how it works. So let's go to the next question. Yeah, a lot of questions on the Patreon page today, guys. So I'm, I'm, I'm answering as fast as I can. Octavian asks, uh, supplementing with fish oil depletes vitamin E. Yes, there is some scientific evidence that shows that. Does the coach use fish oil and what brand? So I use California Gold Nutrition, but soon I will switch. Keep this between us, uh, you know, me and the audience. Uh, one of my main sponsors will start producing their own fish oil. And as soon as that comes out, I will make the switch because that one will actually contain uh, one of the best forms of vitamin E. So, you know, I've, I've been aware of this fact. That's why in the year-round supplement stack, I always mention to people that, you know, you, you need to take fish oil and vitamin E around the same time. So whether that's 200 IOS vitamin E or 400 IOS vitamin E of mixed tocopherols and uh, tocotrienols, or you just go with the D-alpha uh, tocopherol, right? You know, whatever you feel the most comfortable with based on the research that you've done. I like the mixed ones. I mean, vitamin E is found in uh, your food as well. And if you track your micronutrient intake like uh, I do, you see that uh, you get a decent amount of mixed vitamin E sources if your diet is a little bit more inclusive of variation. And then, of course, the fish oil I have with every single meal. So I think that my v uh, vitamin E levels are more than sufficient, giving, getting about... 400 IOs through supplementation of a mixed uh, tocotrienols and tocopherol <laughs> fucking words dude uh, formula and then I have fish oil with each meal about 800 milligrams for ca from California gold nutrition of the omega 800s but as soon as uh, my uh, good old friend um, is ready to release his product uh, then I will make the switch and never look back yeah because that will have uh, some good old Vitamin D in there, and or vitamin E, and then I have vitamin E with each meal, basically. You know, fish oil, vitamin E together. Uh, no needs for any baby aspirin, because that is also very good for blood thinning effects, or at least lubricates the uh, the insides of the cardiovascular system. You know, to make it simple. Ryan asks, potassium blood tests are hard to come by in the UK. Is there any substitutes? Nope, unfortunately not. I want to add 20 milligrams telmisartan to my 25 milligrams of tenolol to keep blood pressure in, in range. I'm on TRT and dexamphetamine. Okay, yeah. I'm wary of hypo hyperkalemia. Uh, no, unfortunately, there's no other tests. But, you know, there's MediChecks. There's Eval. There's, uh, man, there's another one in the UK. I'm sure some of the people in the UK will enlighten me. So put it down below. What else is available besides MediCheck and Eval? Uh, Eval is, of course, where Dr. Dean St. Mart and, um, oh, man. <laughs> the biggest guy in the UK at one point. Shit, I'm, uh, the name is uh, David Crossland. Sorry, shit. 
Dave Crossland, right? Those guys are with Evel. So I, I think they offer potassium testing. I mean, you know, ch check it there. Pay out of pocket. Just I, I want to get potassium testing done in blood. So you, you send your sample and you get the results back by email, um, you know, a couple of days or a couple of weeks later. And then you add in the telmosartan if needed. Right, and make sure you check your uh, telmosartan intake, or uh, not telmosartan intake, to check your <laughs> potassium intake, you know, in the diet. And again, you have to go through all of the micronutrients which you can find online, and then see if you supplement with potassium salt or regular salt to see your total potassium intake, and then make the appropriate adjustment um, if you feel that your potassium intake uh, or potassium levels are going to change um, after adding the telmosartan. It would be advised to check your potassium levels before and after adding the telmosartan in. All right, Ryan asks, I take weekends off uh, dexamphetamine for the HDD medication. Would L-tyrosine be better than uh, taken in the weekends off to repair dopamine system or on the same day as when taking dexamphetamines to extend its effectiveness? Uh, I, honestly, I've never really looked into that. Uh, I'm not too knowledgeable about Adderall or Vyvanse or uh, Dexedrine because it's not available here and it's highly illegal because, uh, you know, they classify this as uh, the street drug Yaba. So it doesn't matter if these are on prescription or um, you're taking that uh, street drug Yaba, which actually stands for crazy drug, Yaba. Ya is drug and Ba is crazy, right? Yaba, drug crazy. Or crazy drug, if you go with you know the way we pr would pronounce that, if you translate it. Um, so yeah, those are off the menu for me, and and that's one of the reasons why I really never investigated it because you know I do the uh, research and then I uh, add to the personal experience with it, um, and without that I, I don't really open my mouth. So. <laughs> um, I mean, L-tyrosine increases dopamine levels, which, uh, of course, is good uh, to have if you're not on uh, ADHD medication, which are also, you know, going to stimulate your dopaminergic system. Taking them on the same day might be a little bit overkill. <laughs> Again, but you probably have more experience with uh, these kinds of medications than I have. So why don't you take a couple of days off and experiment with L-tyrosine and then uh, try to experiment with both, albeit at a low dosages. So maybe to have of the dose of dexamphetamine that you've been using for your HDHD and then sprinkle in a little bit of 500 milligrams L-tyrosine once or twice per day, see what of an effect you get, right? Again, I'm not too knowledgeable about the subject, so um, do some more research if you're on the fence about it. Ryan asks, what do you think about Oppenheimer? Oppenheimer, are you looking forward to any other upcoming films? I'm pumped for June 2, yes. June 2 should be a, a very, very good movie this year. Oppenheimer was good, but the problem is with um, these movies from Christopher Nolan is that the soundtrack gets louder and louder and louder every single movie that he produces. So with Tenant, I can barely hear the audio or the dialogue. <laughs> and the problem is here, here in Thailand, they have subtitles, right? In Thai. So I really have to listen very, very carefully. I'm on the edge of my seat in the cinema for two and a half, three hours. I mean, these movies are very, very long and they're super entertaining and I love them. But without the subtitles, sometimes it's very hard to hear the dialogue because the soundtrack is so heavy and always present with Christopher Nolan. Again, he's trying to set the atmosphere. Um, but sometimes the dialogue is just inaudible. <laughs> and that's a little bit annoying for movies where you really need to have to pay attention to kind of follow the story. So Oppenheimer, I thought it was great. Right, I'm familiar with the backstory because I, uh, you know, I'm interested in atomic bombs and and science and uh, the universe and that kind of stuff. Um, were the boobs required? Not really, 
but you know it, it is what it is um upcoming films i would like to see dune 2 and you know that's about it there's a ton of superhero movies that are coming out most of them are going to be ass but i'm still going to go to watch them because what else are you going to do right <laughs> i mean i'm going to watch barbie tomorrow let's see how bad it is um you know i'll keep you guys updated marcus adiba asks coach steve do you like using weekly refeeds when cutting diets yes do you recommend going up to maintenance level calories or beyond into a surplus? Well, that kind of depends on what your goals are. So if you're starting to do a contest prep, right, you would basically check your, um, do like a refeed to practice the carb loading process uh, going into the show. So if you do a 16-week diet, you have uh, 15, 16 opportunities to practice your carb loads. And then when the carb load is going to take place a couple of days before the show, there's no guessing anymore because you know exactly which foods to eat which foods sit well with you which foods make you full restore glycogen minimal water retention right but that's extreme in the in the context of contest prep uh, for weekly refeeds you can just go out with your girlfriend or partner right whatever and just eat what you want you know to keep a little bit of sanity and 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 uh in our normalization into your plan that's what i do um i go out Sunday and just eat what I want. Usually it's something very healthy, right? So uh, even though today is Saturday, uh, we did go out today because tomorrow I'm going to be a little bit busy. So we went from Lebanese. So I had, uh, you know, the, the, the whole mixed grill with uh, seven different uh, meats. We shared with my wife, of course. And then I had some hummus and a little bit of fatouche. And, uh, you know, then we call it a day. And we had, you know, as a side dish, some, uh, some rice, right, with the... Uh, I'm not sure which coloring they use, but it's it's yellow, yellow rice. Tastes great. So even though it's a caloric surplus, maybe a little bit oily, it's still the food that I usually eat. Or I go for sushi, right? Or for a hamburger. I just made a video about this, which I released yesterday. So go watch that instead. Um, it really depends on your goals, man. And of course, the leaner you get, the more restrictive you're going to have to be. Because if you go ham on your cheat meals... You go spam on your cheat meals. Um, yeah, the problem is is that you might restore a little bit of uh, lower back fat, and then that turns into a stubborn, stubborn body uh, area, because you you can't you can't get it lean because you're always eating a little bit too much over the weekend. So it depends on your goals, man. But I've done it like this, uh, even when my wife was competing, and we just eat whatever the fuck we wanted on Sunday and uh, called it a day, and then six days of grinding ahead. You know, don't uh, unless you're a pro athlete, man. Don't overcomplicate it, you know. Life is short. Welsh Gunner, what's up? Asked, hello coach. Have you seen Barbie Hyper yet? So I've seen Oppenheimer and Barbie tomorrow. Uh, thoughts, uh, just mentioned that. So let's just go into the question. Does ingesting PEG 300 or PEG 400 orally sublingually cause systemic inflammation like injecting synthetic carrier oil does? Yes, unfortunately it does. So you see a lot of these SARMs or some of these uh, gray area peptide websites, they still use uh, PEG 300 or PEG 400, that's uh, polyethylene glycol, um, and it can cause systemic inflammation. I mean, as soon as it hits your tongue, dude, you feel that it's just dissolving your mouth, and then it goes down like you just had a shot of vodka, right? That's how of an effect you get, like vodka, I mean, when it goes down, or whiskey or whatever, sake, whatever your, um, you know, hard liquor of choice is, you feel it going down. It's kind of burning your throat, and it's the same with this pig, you know, polyethylene glycol. It's, uh, yeah, it's not a good idea. And then you have this, this solvent in your stomach, you know, same as taking one, four G, yeah, one, four GB or GBL. 
Not a good idea, dude. So I would uh, avoid it. Um, go with the ones that are compounded in MCT oil. And otherwise, um, you know, go to the next source. Because, you know, you only have one body. And so why would you subject it to a lot of uh, systemic inflammation when you don't have to, right? You can spend your money anywhere. Aaron Pollock or Aaron Rollick asks, Peace, brocules. What's up? I listen to your videos on a cycle and a budget and to the video on your year-round supplements. I'm saving, like you mentioned, for investments, real estate, Bitcoin, etc. So knowing what you do now, what would be your budget cycle and budget year-round supplements? Thank you for your hard-earned wisdom. Uh, test an aromatase inhibitor. That's the best cycle you can do on a budget. And whether that's uh, one amp test or two amps a test, three amps, four amps, Five amps are usually for most people. If you match one amp a test at 250 milligrams uh, per one milliliter, I'm talking about testosterone inotate here, to one tablet of aromacin, that usually goes well, right, in the beginning. And then all you have to do is blood work to kind of confirm that, right? You still need to go for blood work. You can just check your estradiol levels and your cholesterol levels every month. And even though it's expensive, um, you have a moral obligation to your body to kind of keep that in check, right, when you go on steroids. So, don't budget it so hard that you can't do blood work. I would rather have you use less um, steroids so you have money for blood work. And then, uh, you know, you put it all together to keep yourself healthy, right? Because just because you're in on a budget doesn't mean you have to get unhealthy. And a budget year on supplement stack, uh, if you're just on test and an aromatizing inhibitor, the only thing that's really going to skewer your lipids, your liver enzymes might come up slightly, but you don't need NAC, you don't need Tetka, you don't need Silymarin, you don't need Liver 52, you don't need any liver protection because you're not really doing anything deleterious besides raising your liver enzymes through a strenuous workouts because now you're stronger and you're training harder and these trans amino uh, transaminases are coming from your skeletal muscle i mean how many times do i have to fucking mention it um so all you need to do is take some uh, citrus bergamot <laughs> and maybe a zetamib if you go to really high doses of steroids and that's it. So you have your multivitamin, you have your uh, citrus bergamot, maybe a little bit of berberine, maybe some astragalus root extract, even though, you know, with testosterone, you can keep your blood pressure in range quite easily. And uh, I think that's it. This is the basic stuff, man. Yeah, just the basic stuff. Maybe a B50 or B100 complex. Yeah, but even then, you can get a lot of uh, quality nutrition from your food. So don't go cheap on food. Don't go cheap on food. Don't do this chicken, broccoli, brown rice because you're on a budget and canned tuna and then you get to mercury poisoning, right? Don't go cheap on food, guys. Cook it all yourself and then buy it in bulk. I have a video about this as well. Um, what, what was it? It's a thumbnail where you see like a chest freezer and then all these food items sticking out of it about uh, cheaper bodybuilding or something like that. Give that video a watch about how you can save money on food and all, all kinds of other expenses. So uh, you have more money for blood work, fucking asshole. All right. <laughs> Gabe asks, any thoughts on the enhanced games? So I didn't know about this until Gabe mentioned it uh, to me in the Patreon page. So I did some research and there's good news. Apparently, there's going to be an enhanced Olympics. Yeah. What, what is his name? I already have an email conversation with this guy because I am intrigued. So I reached out to um, Dr. Aaron Ping de Souza, who apparently we just went through a major lawsuit and uh, don't really know the details, but apparently he's going to have his enhanced games of uh, Olympic sports in December 2024. So I'm, uh, I'm trying to get involved. 
Yeah, I love this idea. I love this idea so much. So uh, I'm going to be in contact with him here and there. Um, maybe we can do a podcast together to kind of promote these enhanced uh, games because, um, you know, I, I think, you know, I mean, the drug testing is there to make it appear um, legitimate in the eyes of the the governments who ultimately sponsor these events, right? I mean, building an Olympic um, arena in, an, in a new country, because, I mean, the Olympics just kind of shifts around, millions, if not billions of dollars, right? So, and of course, it brings a lot of tourism and it brings a lot of exposure to the country. So it's, it's a worthwhile investment, but to make it seem legitimate, there's drug testing involved, right? And it, there's random drug testing in the country of, uh, you know, participating countries and then on the event, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's all, you know, heavily regulated, but it also means that there's a lot of corruption. Unfortunately, I mean, when there's people involved, there's always corruption. Um, yeah, and that's sometimes very unfortunate for the athletes, you know. Um, I, I don't think it's cheating when everybody's taking performance-enhancing drugs. Same as at the World Championships. I mean, it's the most corrupt, most, you know, backstabbing federations that just go over, you know, the hard work of the athletes. And when you look at the officials, they're all fat pieces of shit. Really, they don't never worked out. They never did a bodybuilding competition or even did Olympic sports themselves. They're just there for the paycheck, dude. It's despicable, you know. So I really feel for the athletes. So something like this, like an enhanced games where there's no drug testing, where some of the athletes that got disgruntled from uh, competing at the Olympics or other sports, and they maybe got the short end of the stick over politics or, or you know false positives or just being bullied out of the national team. I'm all for it. Yeah, I think this is fucking great. So, let's see what happens. Okay, we finally get to the questions. Holy shit, there's so many of them. All right. We're going to go a little bit faster. Thomas, do you think when I use pharma growth hormone is beneficial, uh, more beneficial than 3 I use a generic GH on 750 total gear on a second cycle? Um, depends on how good your generics are. I mean, there's good generics out there. You might get 3 IUs for your 3 IUs, but you might hold a little bit of water than or more water compared to 3 IUs of pharma. Um, you know, run each for a month and see how you respond. You know, it's it's... Pharma GH is very encompassing. There's like 20 brands and, and generics, there's like 100 brands. So I don't know which brand you use, um, but, it, you know, try one IU of Pharma GH for a month and then three IUs of generic GH. You keep the testosterone the same. And then whatever you feel the most comfortable on, you know, best results versus the least amount of side effects. And if that's, you know, the same cost, I'm assuming that's why you're uh, comparing it, one IU to three IU, then... Um, yeah, go with the option that uh, gives you the best results. A lazy man's training protocol video piece. Yeah, no, that doesn't exist, Octavian. You still got to go to the gym and kick ass. <laughs> well, you go on a gram and train. Right? Then you can do everything wrong and uh, yeah, just, just make sure one of your family members is ready to donate a kidney to you and half a brain because that much trend will mess with your mental state also. Alvaro, what's up, buddy? The, our timestamps guy is uh, in here, not working. <laughs> How can a woman raise uh, a red blood cell count, uh, hemoglobin, and hematocrit as they're all in the lower limit of the reference range without being properly hydrated? Oh, that's a drink less than 200 milliliters of water before the test. Okay, uh, B100 complex, right? just overcome the supplements. You take a B50 in the morning and a B50 in the evening. Iron supplements, keep in mind that most women through their period lose a lot of iron, so they either need to eat a ton of beef, and then if they can't digest it um, 
raw beef digests better than cooked beef. Right? It might taste a little bit weird. So you just sear the top, you sear the bottom, you prepare it with love. And then uh, if they don't want to eat it, then, uh, well, then you go with the iron uh, supplements. You know, my wife eats uh, plenty of beef and uh, she never missed a period and her hematocrit levels are nicely arranged. So, you know, or you would just make her super fat so she gets sleep apnea and then her hematocrit goes up also. <laughs> uh, she might be single though after a while. Yeah, so now we're just answering this. Uh, oh, there's something else. Okay, so uh, yeah. Iron, uh, a B100 complex or injectable vitamin B12 if she's really deficient. And, you know, just a good diet and, and just make her go to the gym because, you know, red blood cell count in the and, and the hemoglobin tends to go up if you're doing, you know, endurance work or, uh, you know, a little bit of resistance training and otherwise uh, give her an altitude mask. So she can, uh, she really has to suck and that might have some benefits in the bedroom also. You never know, right? Alvaro, what are some supplements and foods somebody can eat to aid in irritable bowel syndrome and have better bowel movements? Okay, so first you have to figure out what is causing the irritability. So you have to do an elimination diet. I have a video about this. Um, I'm not sure it's about um, stomach or uh, what was the name? I made too many videos, dude. Um, something about oral steroids or, or how to fix your gut after oral steroids, something like this. So watch that video with your girlfriend. Or for yourself. Um, irritable bowel syndrome. Yeah, do an elimination diet. See which foods are causing it. And then you have to keep a log. Put that, uh, you know, somewhere in the kitchen where you see the foods you can eat and the foods you definitely can't eat. And then stick to the foods you can eat. So you have a lot better, um, you know, digestion. No bloating, no gas, no uh, acid reflux, etc. Um, and then better bowel movements. Uh, magnesium bisglycinate, high dosages. Tutka. 500,000 milligrams per day. Senati at the end of the day, which helps with a little bit of, uh, you know, um, draining the tubes, I would say. You can add a little bit of fiber, so it acts a little bit of like a plunger. You kind of have this, you know, Senati that it's irritating, keeps a little bit of fluid in the intestinal tract. And then you add in some psyllium, psyllium husk fibers. You have this, uh, you know, gooey, uh, sticky, uh, you know, last part of the day that's kind of moving through your intestinal tract. And it will clean you out. Yeah, yeah, it will clean you out. I would recommend this to all of my competing athletes. At the end of the carb load day, Senati with 15 grams psyllium husk and a little bit of salt. It will clean you out the next day. You can pull vacuums all the way to your earlobes. Magic. All right, Nick Woodhouse. Hey, Steve, is elevated red, blood, uh, red cell distribution with something to be concerned about? Slightly out of the reference range, minus 15.4. Cruising out 250 milligrams of test. So if you're just coming off a cycle, what happens is, is that uh, when there's dose fluctuations or you do a lot of uh, blood donations, there's a difference between the size of the red blood cells. That's a red cell distribution. So you have small ones and big ones. And then there's a percentage of um, what is out of the norm, I believe. So if it's 15.4, it means that more of them are out of the norm than uh, what are normal. So it's only a small amount, but still more than is desired. It could be that the red cells that are produced on cycle are bigger because they contain more hemoglobin. And these uh, this, the red blood cells which are uh, produced uh, now while you're cruising are a little bit smaller. So you see these fluctuations quite normally when you have dose changes or when you do a lot of uh, fasting or when you do a lot of uh, therapeutic blood donations or, or uh, you know, the, at the Red Cross you can do this... Um, 
what is it called? Uh, power red donation, where they return the plasma, only take the red blood cells. So if you do that, you know, any of these things, you see fluctuations in your R, uh, red cell distribution width. It curls for three months and then check it again. Your R, uh, red cell distribution width is probably 11 or 12. So we'll kind of come back within range. And if that doesn't happen, um, you know, check your other markers and see what's going on. You know, it might be deficient in, vitamin, in iron, it might be deficient in uh, uh, B12 or B9 or some of the other B uh, vitamins. Again, sleep apnea might be there. I had so many things that can go wrong. Or you have internal bleeding, you know, check for hemorrhoids. A lot of things that can be going on. All right, Anthony, currently cutting, running Terzepidite, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, 250 milligrams testosterone anethate, Anivar, 12.5 milligrams per day. Looking to train fasted as I cannot digest any food prior to training as I train in the morning after fasted training. It's my only time. Oh, okay, so. So what's the question, dude? <laughs> what is the question? <laughs> you lost me. All right. Not a question, but feedback for you. Your content. Okay. Oh, but. All right. What is it? Is there something wrong with 24-hour re-up? Yeah, sometimes it takes a while. Keep in mind that these sources, you know, you know, a response rate can be like three to four weeks. I know it sucks. Yeah. So keep that in mind when you order shit online. Sometimes it takes way longer. Otherwise, anabolic pharmacist. He's very good at the service. Anyway, um, so if he can't eat anything... Just have an intra-workout shake or a shake you can digest and uh, and train like that. I used to train like that all the time. I'd wake up, drink a coffee, shower, drink a shake, go to the gym, and then uh, have the rest of my meals. I mean, it worked quite well. Especially when you train, you know, a lot of sets to failure. You, uh, you don't want too much food in your stomach, otherwise you might vomit. So I would have like collagen. Uh, 30 grams or 20 grams and then a little bit of gelatin to kind of slow down the, the slow the breakdown so it lasts throughout the workout maybe half a scoop away a whole scoop of pre-workout we had some glycerol uh, some salt some uh, you know this and that and some gh etc 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 and then that way i could kind of last my workout with limited uh, stuff in my stomach and still kick ass all right club energy Hey, Steve, thank you for your time and efforts. I'm currently running your anti-aging stack, and I'm enjoying how it's making me feel. My Q question is regarding taking Motsi and NAD+. Uh, I'm considering, I'm administering IM2, what? 2PW? What, what the fuck is that? I'm talking about Motsi and NAD+. Intramuscular to, okay, whatever, uh, as opposed to intravenously. Am I wasting my money and the product doing this? Thanks again for uh, your time. So the main reason, I'm assuming he's uh, talking about NAD+. So you can do NAD+, intramuscularly, but the problem is it might uh, cause some pro-oxidant effects at the site of administration. This is also a risk for vitamin C and also a risk for glutathione. Now, the evidence is a little bit thin. Uh, in that sense. And, you know, if you administer 100 milligrams or 200 milligrams NAD plus in one go, but since it's such uh, a potent antioxidant, uh, just like glutathione at higher dosages, 1800 milligrams quite potent, it just it gives you a ton of side effects. You literally feel like you just injected uh, pure anxiety. So if you don't get an effect, um, if you don't feel like anxious and weird and, and 
you know, you feel like, I don't know, uncomfortable from a, a 100 milligram or 200 milligram intramuscular uh, NAD plus administration, I would say that your NAD plus is not real. Um, there's a lot of fake and under uh, quality NAD plus out there. The reason why we do intravenously over the course of 30 minutes or one hour is to uh, remove the, the uncomfortable feeling that you get from administering it. So. Uh, same with MOTC, you know, I would prefer intramuscular versus subcutaneous because it does cause a little bit of irritability. You want it to disperse and absorb. Ideally, you do MOTC intravenously as well, but, you know, it's, it's uh, yeah, most people would not do two IV administrations of MOTC. So I, I do MOTC intramuscular and NAD plus intravenously. And if you don't get any side effects from intramuscular NAD plus, it's underdosed or bullshit. Yeah, because it's 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 very uncomfortable if you get the full dose in one go. Honestly. Yeah. I am two two times per week. All right. Intramuscular two times per week. Is that what it stands for? Man, it's abbreviation sometimes. All right, so I'm doing it intramuscular two times a week. Okay, well, if you're doing 100 milligrams NAD plus intramuscular and 5 milligrams MOTC, uh, it again, it should be okay, but I would probably still feel quite uncomfortable from that. And again, if you don't feel uncomfortable from 100 milligrams NAD plus intermuscularly, it might not be the best quality. And no third-party control because it's all coming from compounding pharmacies. And, you know, I don't think it's clinically recognized to use NAD plus in any medical setting. So, yeah, anti-aging clinics is what you're solely dependent on. Freedom uh, baby. <laughs> hey coach, I will be retire retiring in the Philippines in a couple of years and traveling around Asia. Should I just come off TRT and give the lifestyle up? Have not heard anything good about, uh, have not heard good things about being on TRT in the Philippines. I mean, just just do it by yourself. You know, it's it's you don't need a script or anything. I know several people who live in the Philippines and they got, you know, scripts or, or they just source it themselves. I mean, Philippines, you can just order whatever you need. Don't use the steroids there because it's the same story here in Thailand. You know, synthetic carrier oils, underground labs, all garbage. Don't touch it. Just use pharmaceutical grades. Right? Either get it through a clinic or a hospital or source it online from, uh, you know, some of the sources that we have on the website. And, uh, and, and, and when you travel, you can just bring it with you. I mean, Asia is no big deal. I mean, they don't even know what an ampule is. They, they're like, yeah, what is this? It's, it's in my medicine. Okay, good, go. You know, I went to Dubai, they checked my entire, uh, you know, uh, luggage. They they checked uh, everything, basically, right, looking for gold or something. <laughs> and uh, then they found my two ampules of testosterone and they asked me, what is this? This is my medicine, hormone replacement therapy. So I'm here for two weeks and I need one ampule per week. And then the lady was like, oh, you're a bodybuilder, right? You take your steroids? I said, well, it is steroids, but I need this medically. And they're like, yeah, okay, just go. I've never had a problem with steroids in Asia, you know? Would I bring it to the United States? Of course not. <laughs> but I have friends there, you know, ready for me with care packages as soon as I arrive. So why bring anything across the border when you have buddies uh, trying to hook you up left and right? Um, but here in Asia, man, just get your TRT, whether that's self-prescribed or, uh, you know, legitimately prescribed, get it travel around um you can always find a way you can always find a way anthony during a cut using growth hormone fasted is it beneficial to get thyroid levels in an optimum range or just leave them alone 
if they're uh, if they are out of are in range. Uh, I would still recommend like 100 micrograms or maybe 50 micrograms of T4 to help with the conversion of T4 into T3 because growth hormone does seem to speed up thyroid conversion, so you get more T3. When you start using growth hormone, let's say one, two, or more units per day, so. If you add in two units of growth hormone per day, 50 micrograms or 100 micrograms T4, depending on your level, so you can keep your TSH low. Some people start converting quite a bit, and then, you know, T3 levels go up, T4 levels go down. After all, T4 levels are very, very low. Then thyroid-stimulating hormones goes up, so you have more burden on your thyroid, right? So, and T4 will come up, but will never come up to the point that um, T3 levels stay sustained because there's so much conversion going on. So uh, it might be beneficial just to supplement, right? You're not shutting down your thyroid production if you do this alongside a growth hormone because again, growth hormone speeds up the thyroid conversion and thus you get more T3 and thus it helps with fat loss and overall metabolism and nutrient partitioning and all that good stuff. But you're supplemented T4 in to keep your TSH down so it doesn't go too high. And again, if you don't see anything um, going wrong with your thyroid panel and you're using one to two, I use a growth hormone per day, keep it there, right? It's one medication less, one medication you have to uh, not worry about. Thomas, what do you think of Nupept? Have you ever tried it yourself? Yes, I've tried uh, 30 tablets of Nupept. And I never ordered more. <laughs> I mean, I like it, um, you know, for studying. It's, it's okay, you know, just for, for memory, memory recollection. But I like something that helps with drive and focus. Um, so even though Nupept, I would say, is good for memory and memory recollection, I would like, uh, I like L-tyrosine and, and uridine monophosphate a lot more because it, it feels like, I don't know, you're going through the content faster. You're a little bit more pro productive, I would say. I never combined Nupept with uridine monophosphate or uh, L-tyrosine, so maybe it's worthy of another run. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I had good experiences, but it's, you know, I, I've used so many nootropics and some you order, order once and then kind of leave them be. Uh, like Nupept or Dihexa. I mean, I, I still have a bottle of Dihexa laying around here. And yeah, you're just like underwhelmed, you know, of, of what you want out of it. Now, did I stack Nupept with other stuff or Dihexa with other stuff? No, I didn't. So maybe I need to stack all of it together and then get a phenomenal result, uh, just like. <laughs> a respawn. <laughs> I don't need anything more than this, dude. <laughs> You'll see towards the end of the podcast that my uh, or the live stream that my respawn is starting to wear off and my answers are getting a lot slower. Oh, we answered this already. Honest feedback, I appreciate it, but yeah, the, you know, ordering stuff online it's not Walmart, unfortunately. Nick, what growth hormone do you recommend? Available through anabolic pharmacists? Uh, Sizen. Mark Serrano Sizen or Nordichropin. I don't think he has that. Uh, I'm not going to go to the website. Uh, but whatever he has is good, dude. <laughs> whatever pharmaceutical grade stuff he has is good. The Omnitrope is good. The Sizen is good. The Nordichropin is good. Genotropin, I'm sure, is good, but it's from a brand I no longer want to endorse. So, uh, yeah, you know, but if that's the only one that's available, go for it. Uh, Google the Belgium health minister. Uh, okay, let's do that. Belgium health minister. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> nice one. Uh, yeah, this is why voting <laughs> doesn't work. <laughs> this is why you should pay taxes in a country that uh, doesn't treat you like a child. Yeah. <laughs> nice one. Thomas, if you're looking for a cheaper alternative to Primo and add in a budget cycle, do you think EQ or Mastron would make the most sense? No, just use more, more testing and Aromacin. Uh, Mastron's expensive. EQ is reasonably cheap. Uh, then again, watch that uh, Baldenone versus Kidney uh, Health videos. There's two of them. It's an hour or two hours long, but you'll be a lot wiser after you've uh, finished watching it. So uh, a cheaper alternative to Primo is just more tests. <laughs> just take more tests, dude. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. Test an aromatized inhibitor. Uh, I don't believe that aromatized inhibitors are the devil. Also made a video about that. Uh, because if the aromatized enzymes uh, or aromatized inhibitors are inhibiting the enzymes in the brain and preventing aromatization there, boldenone is doing the same thing. Mastron is doing the same thing. Primobolin is doing the same thing. But it hasn't been studied to that extent. But we can extrapolate from the data that that's definitely occurring based on everybody's serum estradiol levels. So... Um, if you're inhibiting the aromatized enzymes through any means, uh, it's going to be negative for your health potentially. Right? But I do believe that keeping your serum estradiol levels in range um, kind of mitigates that effect. I mean, when you look at aromatized enzymes or aromatized inhibitors and all the deleterious effects, that's always, every single time, in context of postmenopausal women overdoing the aromatized enzyme uh, inhibitors. <laughs> Overdoing the aromatized inhibitors because they have breast cancer and they're in remission. They need to keep their estradiol levels low. Otherwise, they might die. Right? And besides the side effects that they get from the cancer, the side effects that they get from super low serum estradiol levels um, are, uh, uh, you know, of course, a result of using an aromatized inhibitor, but actually caused by low estradiol levels. And when you start comparing these side effects to um, what postmenopausal women experience. Anyway, you know, the hot flashes and the dry skin and the osteoporosis and the cardiovascular issues and the aneurysms. Yeah, um, it's low estradiol. So if you keep your estradiol in range while using an aromatized inhibitor on high testosterone, I think you're totally fine, right? But longitudinal data doesn't exist. So, you know, you always have to uh, make your own decision. Thomas, in Holland, where did you buy things like wholesale meat? I watched your budget bodybuilding video. We can't find a wholesale supplier. Now, Macro's bankrupt? Oh, really? <laughs> you would think that in Holland, all those cheap fucks would still buy Macro. <laughs> but it's bankrupt. Everybody's buying it Albert Hyde. Uh, I'm from Belgium. Uh, one from Holland is fine, though. Okay. Uh, so in, in, in uh, Belgium, uh, ma the macro is bankrupt. Okay. Uh, a couple things you can do. Contact a local butcher that sells a cow by half. So you buy half a cow, right? It's all processed, so it's not like you buy half a cow and then you need to start cutting yourself. You buy half a cow. It might cost you 1,000 or 2,000 uh, euros, but you get so much meat that it will last you forever, right? And you get all these different cuts. Um, you have to freeze that, obviously. Again, buy a chest freezer, a 100-liter one or a 200-liter one, and just freeze this entire cow. You can do the same for buying chicken. You buy 100 chickens, right? All prepared. Same with fish. Just buy bulk. Buy bulk. Go to a wholesale supplier. And if you can't find a wholesale supplier where you can't sign up as an individual, you don't have to register a business. Again, Europe, all these rules and regulations just makes you vomit. Um, that's why I moved to Thailand, where everything is easy. You can just call a wholesale supplier and say, hey, I want you know, 
10,000 baht worth of meat delivered to my fucking house and they'll do it free of charge right because i'm spending so much so i i order 20,000 baht or 600 700 dollars worth of food every couple of weeks and i just ship it here right so all the more incentive to leave and pay taxes somewhere else uh right because the belgium health minister is uh i mean you could roll her yeah yeah anyway it doesn't mean sideways up and down yeah whatever okay so um, find a place where you can just buy wholesale and then just buy it there. You can go to the market. I used to buy like 200 eggs at the market, you know, and get a fat discount. I said, well, you know, I want uh, 200 eggs. So that's 10 uh, packs, right? And then uh, I said, why do you need so much? I said, it's for me and a friend, even though I would eat that by myself, right? 20 eggs a day. <laughs> so for 10 days, that would be good. Um, and it's just for me and a friend, right, in my household. Give me a discount. Give me a ten percent discount. I just negotiate, dude. Yeah, put yourself. Uh, you know, take out the middleman and uh, negotiate the price down. I mean, Europe is expensive enough. Because uh, yeah, they thought it was a good idea to get all of their energy from one country. <laughs> Pumpy Dingus. Hey, Steve. How would you define a hyper responder to gear? Uh, you want to take one app test and you blow past everybody else. Yeah, didn't happen to me, unfortunately. Uh, that's why I'm here. I had to learn the hard way uh, so I can share it with you guys. Uh, and if I were a hyper responder to gear, you would be watching my training videos, not talking about gear and promoting my supplement sponsor here and there at the beginning, uh, intro workout and the end of my video, right? So uh, I'd be competing at the highest level, even though I have a shit physique, even if, you know, my uh, if I was super muscular, I don't think I'd make it all the way to the Olympia stage, to be honest. Um, so yeah, if you go on an test and you blow past everybody and then, uh, you know, the guys on uh, gear uh, commend you for it and say, hey, you have potential, you should compete. That's when you know how you're a hyper sponsor. I also have a video about that. Um, I think it's like uh, the twisting Arnold pose, uh, you know, on my first cycle and, and the, the biggest I ever got. Um, yeah. How do you know, how do you know if you have good genetics? That's the title of the video. I think we missed a question somewhere. So I don't see what your question is, but Oh yeah, here. Sorry, times per week. So that's in response to this one. <laughs> I'm so late without answering all these questions because there were so many on the Patreon page. Intramuscular twice per week. I learned something new. I won't make this uh, mistake again, Club Energy. My bad. All right, Nick Woodhouse, would you generally recommend HCG on cycle and while cruising? I'm 23 years old. Yes. Yes, man. Oh, this is uh, Nick from uh, the gym today. What's up, my man? Where are all your insulin questions and your blood work questions? <laughs> so funny. Today I went to BPC Fitness and then I met Nick. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to pester you the entire... No, not pester. So I'm going to ask you all the questions so I don't need, don't need to buy your uh, e-books. <laughs> through, the, <laughs> through the vigorous Q&A. So yes, I would do uh, would recommend HCG on cycle, 250 IOs three times per week. Um, again, it won't be as effective when you're using Tremblone and Androlone, so he was thinking about NPP. Uh, NPP at a moderate dose, let's say 200 milligrams per week, I think HCG is still going to be effective. Uh, but anything over that, you know, the higher you go on the Nandrolone or the higher you go on the Tremblone or the Tristolone, the Mint, I think there's some sort of downregulation where ATG just simply doesn't work and your nuts are still going to shrink. And then doubling it or tripling it 
or going to a thousand IOS HCG is um, not going to do anything to your testicles. So if you're 23 and you're already on cycle, kicking ass and being way too lean, so you need to eat more. Uh, yeah, add in the HCG. <laughs> I know this guy personally, so that's why I'm trolling a little bit, guys. Um, yeah, add in the HCG, 250 IOS three times per week um, and enjoy the testicular volume. And whatever you do, uh, make sure you spread the love around uh, because I'm already retired from spreading love here in Thailand, uh, but you are not. So, um, yeah, push, what is it? Push it forward. <laughs> Pull it forward. Those sayings. And there's a lot of other 23-year-olds in Thailand that need some loving, uh, Nick. So, please, you know, please do it. <laughs> Give a couple pumps for Uncle Steve. Octavian, give me 2,000 euros and I'll send you four, four live cows. <laughs> can I, I think in Thailand you can buy a buffalo for like, what was it? Let me, let me confirm that. Price of buffalo in Thailand. 50,000 baht. Yeah, a full-grown large buffalo costs you about 50,000 baht. So 15,000 baht is about $1,500, give or take. So, man, in Romania, it's a lot cheaper than... Yeah, it's a lot cheaper in Romania. Uh, for like 500 bucks for a live cow? Man, that's nothing, dude. That's nothing. I should move to Romania. Didn't Andrew Tate get stuck in Romania, or is that another country? Yeah. And he's a loudmouth, so, you know, what do you expect? Anthony, is injectable L-carnitine better than oral? Yes, yes, the bioavailability is higher. So 500 milligrams injectable L-carnitine, I would say is equivalent to 3000 milligrams oral L-carnitine L-tartrate. Now, if you go by the bioavailability, uh, you see that the oral bioavailability of uh, L-carnitine is like three, 5%. Uh, even if you take it on a fasted stomach. So technically, you know, if you go with that rate, you would say that you need, uh, man, a lot more. <laughs> I'm not going to whip out my calculator. Uh, let's say you need 10 grams of uh, L-carnitine, L-tartrate, but then you risk TMAO, right? Uh, the, and then you need allicin, and you need another supplement, or you need doxycycline to kill off all the bacteria that form TMA in the intestinal tract, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so yeah, injectable L-carnitine is better, uh, but it hurts. And you can't always get it. But if you can get it, injectable L-carnitine is better. But I, run, I ran oral L-carnitine, L-tartrate for over a decade. And uh, it worked just fine. Worked just fine. Alvaro JD says Steve's ebooks are highly worth it. All right, I didn't know you bought it, dude. <laughs> he probably bought it with the, the money that I gave him for doing the timestamps. <laughs> right, I wash your back, you uh, or you wash my back, I wash yours, etc. Right, jail talk. All right, last one, Thomas, and then we're gonna go public. Could you homebrew injectable ATP with peak ATP? Uh, from Muscle Tech. <sighs> No, but you can buy ATP from uh, other sources like Venogen, for example. And I think science.bio also has uh, ATP available. So ATP disodium. So I would rather use those because those don't contain any binders. Of course, you would still need to filter it and that kind of stuff. And again, I'm not, I'm not too familiar with homebrewing. Um, but dude, Amino Asylum has got great products. So just get those, right? And otherwise, maybe Chase Iron knows, you know, maybe he has some homebrew sources besides the steroids because he also, you know, has places to recommend carnitine. So otherwise, Vinogen.com and ScienceBio.com, they sell all kinds of raw stuff. I have a discount code for ScienceBio. Yes, they're back. Um, Vigorous is still active. So 
bookmark that site. Ton of artic- uh, ton of products are kind of slowly restoring their catalog. And I do know the owner of Vinogen.com personally, but we kind of lost touch. So, uh, buddy, if you're, you know, want to do business, let me know. I'll ask it on his Discord. Yeah, he has a Discord, right? Where everybody's uh, kind of together. Um, don't ask me to do a Discord. I don't have time. All right, guys, uh, let's open it up to the public. And then uh, we're going to get those super chats. All right. Thank God I got through all the questions today. this one cool all right be right back guys give me a minute to uh, relieve myself What's up, everybody? All right, let me zoom this in a little bit so I don't miss any of your questions. Cool. Get some water in because I'm dehydrated AF after talking for an hour. Man. All right. Where were we? Where were we? All right, let me scroll down and get some good questions going. Jaden, Steve, we took growth hormone and Viagra for uh, <laughs> penis enlargement. I took Cialis, not Viagra. Uh, what dose did you use and how did you administer the GH? I just took a GH sub-Q before bed and Cialis in the morning or sometimes before bed, 10 milligrams. And I noticed the slight PP gains. So I didn't, don't overcomplicate it, man. I mean, you know, if you get multiple erections over the night and you, you administer some growth hormone before then or, or MK677 where your growth hormone levels really spike and Cialis for blood flow to that area, 
Uh, I think you're going to see some gains, you know, maybe take some collagen uh, supplements before bed so you have all the building blocks available. Um, and of course, don't masturbate so much because, you know, masturbation uh, makes your erection quality a little bit less. And, uh, you know, you want maximum, um, you know, uh, engorgement, I would say. Not where you just have half stiffy because to get the job done. No, no, no. You just, you know, lay off of it. Get your full-blown erections back throughout the night and, uh, and and do some foreplay so you can get those massively engorged behemoth uh, third leg. And then when the pants come off, you're like, the girl's like, I don't think I can fit it all in. Uh, but then you still make her. Uh, uh, foreplay is shit, dude. <laughs> Release the Kraken. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm just going to answer all the cool questions. Because uh, 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 many I've already answered. <laughs> YouTube videos. Seems the only time I don't drink water is when I'm sleeping. Yeah, man, you gotta stay hydrated, dude. I mean, if you want this nice skin, you don't look like a smoker or a drinker, you gotta stay hydrated. Hydration is the best. Mm -mm -mm. Here we go, Stanley. How do you know and uh, how do you know when and how much to increase my total gear per week during a cut? So during a cut, of course, the calories are going down, right? So you take gear to kind of offset that, compensate for that, so you still stay anabolic. Food is anabolic, and gear is anabolic. And when the food goes down you lose out on the anabolism through this pathway, the food pathway, and now the gear can go up so you can get more protein synthesis for the amount of gear, uh, for the amount of food that you're eating. So let's say uh, 3,000 calories and 500 milligrams of gear in total, right? Now you get, uh, you can multiply that. For example, right, all the arbitrary multipl uh, multiplication. Uh, how much is that? 3,000 times 500, calculator. 3,000 times 500 is 150,000. Okay, this is your uh, baseline, 150,000 of anabolic points. Now you go to 2,500, 2,500, so we take 150,000 divided, divided by 2,500 calories. Uh, wait a minute. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> 1.5 million, sorry. Misses zero there. Okay, divided it by 2,500. Now you have 600 milligrams of gear. Right now, in reality, it's probably going to be 750 milligrams a gear. But you see what I mean, right? If you're missing out on some anabolism from the food, usually the gear goes up to kind of overcompensate for that. And that way you still stay strong and you can actually make progress in a caloric deficit. Now, there comes a point in time where you make no progress because your body fat levels are low or because um, you've been dieting very long or you're simply at the top of your uh, potential, or regardless of how much steroids and food you eat, right? You're already a phenomenally freaky large specimen and you're simply not going to gain any more size so uh yeah but generally speaking when the food comes down the gear goes up but you can bring the food down and if the strength stays the same you don't need to increase the gear you're still good right but when the strength starts to come down usually in that case the gear goes up you can time that actually to your uh, deload <laughs> excuse me 
when the deload is almost ready to take place and you take longer esters for example two weeks before your scheduled deload you're um you're already increasing the gear then after your deload this new gear dose has already been saturated in serum and now you can start fresh after a week off or a week of deloading you know so you had a little bit of extra recovery and now you start on this higher dose you know twice as strong or at least an increment stronger all right here we go super chats are incoming Mega Shredder, can you buy Clembutrol or Albuterol in Thailand? Uh, yes, you can buy both. <laughs> you can buy the, the Albuterol, the 4 milligram tablets, and they also have the Ventolin inhalers. This is Salbutamol, same same compound. And Clembutrol can you also buy in Thailand? Yeah, that's uh, under the counter. So for some of the select pharmacies that you can find in the entertainment areas, uh, around Nana, for example, around Silom, around some of the other streets in Sikongvid, right? couple areas in, in Bangkok where they have pharmacies where they uh, sell Clembutrol from all kinds of brands, all underground lab, obviously. They don't have the so pharma Clembutrol here. You would have to order that online. But from my experience, you know, most of the Clembutrol that's produced here, even though it's underground lab, it's still decent and there's no variation from tablet to tablet. So, and Albuterol is, of course, available as a pharmaceutical. So, yeah, man, if you want to lose fat and sweat buckets in Thailand, you certainly can. All right, next one. Let's look for something interesting. Mm -mm -mm. Man, a lot of basic questions this time. Let's see, Thomas, is albuterol a healthy stimulant? With what common stimulant would you compare to and to what dose? Well, it's it's four milligrams of albuterol. It kind of feels like 20 milligrams of clenbuterol. I mean, it's it's. A, I mean, they work on the similar receptors, you know, albeit that albuterol is a little bit more selective on uh, the better receptors of the lungs. So it's better as an asthma medication. And of course, clenbuterol raises your heart rate quite a bit. Albuterol doesn't do that as much. But still, for fat loss, both are kind of effective. So a lot of people in Australia, for example, where clenbuterol is, uh, you know, very, very expensive or uh, highly illegal, hard to source, they just use albuterol instead. <laughs> so And they still get fat loss in that sense. So, yeah, you just got to, um, you know, try both and then see which ones you like. You know, I've used both. I used the injectable albuterol from uh, Amino Asylum, and that was... Um, very, very nice. Heart rate didn't go up that much, but I did notice a significant amount of fat loss. So it was, what was it, two milligrams per milliliter? So I would sometimes take f two milliliters, so it's four milligrams. Yeah, good shit. Ty Tyrese XXL. Hey, coach, I need your wisdom. I was prescribed Adderall for my HDHD management. Unfortunately, within three days, I developed extreme anxiety. Any thoughts on how to manage anxiety? It could be that your dose is too high, right? If they prescribe Adderall, it's probably 20 milligrams. So bring that dose down to 2.5 or 5 milligrams. See if you still get anxiety. And, you know, anxiety can be caused by so many things. You know, lack of sleep, lack of micronutrients, uh, self-esteem issues, high blood pressure, high hematocrit levels. I mean, anxiety is kind of all-inclusive of just feeling off. You know, NAD Plus can give you anxiety. Uh, watching the news can give me anxiety also. Looking, watching the cryptocurrency chart sometimes gives me anxiety. So it's it's kind of all-inclusive. So I, the initial thing I would recommend is just to lower the dose or take a couple of days off and then reintroduce it at a much lower dose. And um, 
you know, if you have ADHD, maybe look into a ketogenic diet, um, which, you know, people with ADHD get a much more cognition, much more channeled focus with a ketogenic diet. Right? So maybe the anxiety and the Adderall um, is just because you have uh, carbohydrates in your diet. Could be the case. Right? So you have to attack it from a multitude of different angles. And otherwise, you know, do your blood work, see if your hematocrit is high or see if you're dehydrated chronically or, uh, you know, I mean... Yeah, or maybe you're taking a lot of stimulants, a lot of monster energy drinks, right? A lot of caffeine in your system. And just Google anxiety and just tackle everything that can cause anxiety uh, before you reintroduce the Adderall. And we do do <laughs> we do introduce <laughs> the Adderall. Uh, do a lower dose, right? And then build your way up. And look into a ketogenic diet, man. I mean, ADHD, I think a lot of people suffer from that just from carbohydrates and caffeine overload. And, uh, you know, if you prescribe Adderall, you're probably in the United States. And uh, let's be honest, the, the diet of an average American, horrendous. And I've been to America, and I can tell you firsthand that the average American, oh, man. Yeah, not the best. Mega Shredder is on not as good as in Thailand. It's close to where the muscle factory is, close to where I live. Don't come visit me. I'll, uh, my shotgun is waiting. <laughs> is on not a good starting point to live in Bangkok? Also, is it posit positive to negotiate for less than a year lease? Is Copenhagen worth visiting? Uh, yeah, Copenhagen's fun. Uh, go to Koh Samui first, then you go to Copenhagen, and then you can go to Koh Tao. Uh, do a whole island trip, man. I mean, uh, what I would recommend if this is your first time, uh, just do Airbnbs for a week here and there, kind of move around, hop around, see what you like the most, and then settle in a place where you like it uh, more. You know, Airbnbs can be quite cheap, maybe a thousand baht per day, so that's what, $30, $35 a day. And then when you find a place where you actually want to settle, yeah, negotiate a, sh a shorter lease. But now, after, uh, you know, the, the pandemic is kind of over and people can come freely into Thailand again. Of course, uh, rental prices have gone up. Uh, of course, the baht and the dollar, uh, the currency rates have fluctuated quite a bit. Uh, so it might be that all the nice condos uh, want a year lease minimum. Yeah, that kind of sucks. But cheaper condos, like the 5,000, 7,000 baht range, that's 150 to $200 rent per month. Absolute trash houses. I used to live in them myself. I had cockroaches and noisy neighbors and, uh, you know, poor air conditioning and horrible Wi-Fi speed. Uh, still, you know, cheap places might give you a lease for three months or six months. So go to, um, you know, if you come in the low season, you might be able to negotiate something. And otherwise, just start looking at, uh, you know, condos well before you arrive. Uh, contact them, see if they're willing. And otherwise, just hop around the Airbnbs or maybe offer the Airbnb guy. I said, listen, I, I, I want to stay here for three months. Can, I, can you give me a reduced rate? So instead of paying per day, you pay per month at a reduced rate. You know, inclusive of the internet, inclusive of the internet, uh, the electricity, sorry, and then the water bill, right? So they, they don't have to pass you the bill. Just make a deal, right? Negotiate on the spot. Yeah, on nut. I know it's, it's a funny on nut. This is Thailand, man. I mean, there's girls that are, their name is Porn. P-O-R-N. Yeah, those are usually a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, thoughts on AC-262, half natty worthy. I, I don't know anything about SARMs, dude. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, didn't somebody ask me last week? Yeah. 
it's uh, I, I don't know, dude. I don't know anything about SARMs. Ask Tony Huge. Uh, I really don't know. Sorry. All right. Next one. Please don't blast me. I plan on working hard for my business once I get to Bangkok. You should be working hard in your business now so you can relax when you get to Bangkok. But no, man, I mean, just ha just have fun. Travel around. Uh, and if you want to settle somewhere, uh, I mean, Anut is a great place. I mean, you got a community mall close by. You have Anut BTS, so you can travel all the way. It's still reasonably cheap. There's a lot of condominiums. Um, easy to drive, albeit that Anut Street is kind of shitty traffic and there's some police close to Big C. So you have to circumnavigate them because, you know, even if you have a Thai driver's license or an international driver's license, they're still uh, a little bit greedy sometimes. So, <laughs> you know, if you speak Thai, then you can uh, circumnavigate that. But if you don't speak Thai, then they'll find a reason to, you know, get something underneath the, 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 the ticket riding board. Uh, and, and even then, you know, it's, it's a harmless 100 baht, 200 baht, and you're ready to go. So, yeah, man, work hard in your business now so you can relax while you're here. But um, don't be like one of those uh, guys that comes here six months and then lose all their money. And then they have to go home with their tail between their legs. Because that's kind of sad. NerBP, what do you think about Dave Palumbo's theory that, almost, that it's almost impossible for some enhanced individuals to build muscle without adequate fat intake? I think that's true. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, you still need a little bit of fat, you know? I mean, some guys can get away with lower fat than other people, but most people would need one gram per kilo of body weight. Yeah, and of course it depends on their metabolic rate and what else they're doing, which drugs they're using, um, individual genetic makeup. But I think that fat is good, it's healthy, it's good for your lipids, it's good for your skin, it's good for your cardiovascular system, it's good for your overall insulin sensitivity, again, depending on the fats uh, that you take in. So, yeah, um, don't overdo the fats, though, because, the, of course, more fats will make you fat, just like too much carbs makes you fat, too. And even too much protein makes you fat, too. So, right, a little bit of uh, management is uh, required still. Kratos, at one point, does one use IGF-1 instead of more GH? I'm on two, uh, uh, two grams of steroids. Six, I use a growth hormone. 30, I use Volantis. 800 carbs, one gram berberine. IGF-1 268. Should I go to 8 IU or add in the LR3? I would add in the LR3. Yeah, I would add in the LR3 and reduce your Lantus dose to 20 IUs because in, uh, IGF-1 LR3 will also increase your insulin sensitivity because both activate uh, their receptors. So if you add in 100 micrograms IGF-1 LR3 subcutaneous or intramuscular, you know, depending on uh, how you want to administer that, uh, either bilaterally on your training days or subcutaneous, um, on rest days, right? Three weeks on, one uh, one week off. Like I mentioned uh, last week, use the timestamps to find that protocol. And your IGF-1 goes from uh, 270 to let's say 400, 500. Then you would probably get more IGF-1 than increasing the growth hormone from six to eight IUs. There's only so much IGF-1 your body will produce by itself, regardless of how much GH you take. And in the beginning it will go up, but then the higher you go on the growth hormone, the more it starts to taper. Right? So. I would add in the 100 micrograms uh, LR3, reduce your lattice dose to 25 uh, or 20 units, check your blood glucose levels, then start ramping up the lattice to 25, 30 IUs if needed. 
and then uh, maybe experiment with 150 micrograms LR3 under second cycle, right? Three weeks on, one week off. So the second cycle, you go to 150 micrograms, and then the third one, 200 micrograms, and see what your sweet spot is, you know? And then maybe you get so frequently big that eight IU's growth hormone is warranted. Because, um, yeah, this does sound like a tasty cycle. Yeah, yeah. Body weight is uh, 250, 275, I'm sure. Freak, freak cycle, so you better look the part. There you go, Alexander. How do you check whether the Bayer Rimabolin to buy in Thailand is legit? It's sold out everywhere, dude. <laughs> he can't buy it anywhere. So at least not from the pharmacies that I'm in contact with. So how do you know your Bayer Rimabolin is legit? You download the Turkish Pharmacy app. You can uh, find the link on my website in the carrier oils and the pharmaceuticals article. It's one of the latest ones. I haven't made a new article in months because, well, nobody reads them anyway. Uh, <laughs> I better make a video about it. Um, so, yeah, uh, use the Turkish Pharmacy app to check the QR code. Check the oil. If the oil is thick, it's very likely that it's real. If the oil is uh, thin, watery, then it's fake. Uh, yeah, so, you know, and otherwise trust your source, you know, there's always anabolic pharmacists who can uh, send you Primo as well, but the prices are so high that I'm not uh, too interested to partake. Thomas, is there any specific diet you would, <coughs> is there any specific diet you would recommend for somebody trying to lose fats in before their first cycle? Um, no, whatever diet works for you, man, whatever diet is sustainable, whatever diet you feel is enjoyable. It can be a ketogenic diet, it can be a low-carb diet, it can be a carb cycling diet, it can be a carnivore diet, it can be vegan, you know, whatever works, man. <clears throat> Just whatever sustainable. Mm. I mean, the best diet I ever did was raw keto. So I wouldn't cook any of my meals except for uh, eggs, which I would just scorch the outside with boiling water. And that's the best digestion I ever had with food. Raw beef, raw salmon, raw, well, not uh, chicken. It was also scorched on the outside to kill any salmonella if present. I just ate it all raw and it would just digest the best. And I got super, super lean. I did that on my first cycle. I did a raw food diet. And, uh, man, my digestion was so good, dude. Yeah, it was a bit weird, though, to bring all that raw food to <laughs> with me around, right? Bloody beef and stuff, so you have to make a beef salad for the, you know, so the salad could absorb a little bit of the blood and stuff. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, man, I did that, fuck, 13 years ago. Good stuff. <clears throat> Let's see, uh, Alvaro JD, test is sold out in Colombia, too. Yeah, it's um, shortages, man. Shortages. It's uh, because guys like me and Paul Barnett and everybody else just keep pushing pharmaceutical grade than everybody, and, and Bayer can't keep up. They can't keep up with the rumor ball and they can't keep up with the test of iron. So do what I do. When you buy stuff, buy bulk, stock it, and then when you're halfway through your stock, uh, buy more. Because sometimes you run out, you know? And then the funny thing is here in Thailand, everybody's contacting me. Steve, my Primo sold out. Where can I get it? Can I buy some of your stock? <laughs> <laughs> Fuckers. <laughs> Buy your own, dude. <laughs> Nobody. Uh, actually, I don't have any Primo anymore. I finished it the previous cycle. But you know all these guys are, man. Steve, where do you get Primo? Can I buy some of yours? <laughs> and they just see the prices is like $20, $25 online. And I tell them, said, well, if you want to buy my stock, it's $25 per amp. 
can't you give me the discount? Well, to replace it, it will cost me $25, you stupid asshole. What do you think is going to happen? People, man. Bodybuilders. Broke. Or at least in Thailand. Most of them are broke. Uh, you got to work harder. Raw beef salad. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But, I, you know, honestly, after moving to Thailand, I've never had to face a raw beef salad uh, again. You know, that's in Europe. Or the pants come off, you're like, ooh. Maybe not today. <laughs> but here, uh, no, it's beautiful peaches. Yeah, beautiful peaches here in Thailand. Thomas, how's your Dutch after living in Thailand for five for five years? Uh, I've been here for 15 years, and my Dutch is absolutely horrendous. <laughs> when I talk with my family, I can still talk Dutch. But typing Dutch, I can't do it. I, I communicate in English now. It's uh, And also because I don't want to do it. Um yeah, I'm better than that now. I've moved on. All right, next one. Retsu. I had a bad reaction to my gear due to inflammation. Uh, blood show high C-reactive protein. Switch gears and still have inflammation after the pin. Is running elevated CRP as bad as uh, when I get new gear in a couple of weeks? Yeah, just stop all the gear. CRP should come down within a week or two. But it could be that you just simply... I tested it too often, you know, that your CRP didn't come down. Or maybe the new brand is uh, just also inflammatory. So, again, a source pharmaceutical grade and stick with that. And even then, a righteous oil can also cause inflammation. And some of the pharmaceutical products have ethyl oleate, which can also cause systemic inflammation. So, if it's really problematic, uh, sign up for Chase Iron's uh, homebrew program membership and then uh, start making your own. Yeah. It's, uh, yes, you have to run the risk, but at least you don't risk your health. You know, you might uh, risk uh, a ramification from the legal system, but at least you don't risk your health. And I would say that that's uh, more important than a couple of fines or tickets. Mega Shredder, what problems can arise due to low SHBG? Uh, low libido, uh, increased hair loss because you have more free androgens. Uh, prostate enlargement potentially, but that's you know highly to be debated. Mostly libido issues with people with extreme low uh, SHBG levels. I have a video about that: how to increase your SHBG levels through various practices, whether that's uh, exogenous estradiol, whether that's from birth control, or from uh, estradiol valerate, which you can inject, or a selective estrogen or receptor modulators. Again, don't do that, take that too long because there's risk with, risks with clotting. Man, and uh, and of course taking all the steroids out, especially provirin. Um, you know, maybe trochesterone, ectosterone can also raise HHBG, but not to the same extent that selective estrogen receptor modulators can. And uh, yeah, it's uh, there's multiple uh, solutions in that video, and then your libido will magically improve. But I thought low HHBG is the way to go for libido. Yeah, what would you guys do without me, man? Thomas, I thought, yeah, I said you said five. No, my pronunciation is horrible. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Donnie. You look like a martial arts teacher. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I bought this in an attempt to look like, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, the, the, the dude, right? But it didn't really stick. I still have that. <laughs> this is how bad I'm, I'm with my, I still have this fucking... I should just donate this somewhere. That's just like your opinion, dude. See, it didn't really work. It didn't really stick. Ugh. It was a fun, a fun episode, though.
Richard Bell, I'm just starting to homebrew. Do you recommend MCT oil? Uh, yes, that, that's what I uh, would do. Or grapeseed oil. I do get good results from grapeseed or cottonseed oil. Never tried MCT. So personally, I would prefer grapeseed oil or cottonseed oil because with MCT, it absorbs quite rapidly, right? MCT, uh, medium chain triglycerides, can metabolize quite rapidly within uh, the skeletal muscle. So if you inject grapeseed oil, it takes a little bit of time, or uh, cottonseed oil, it takes a little bit of time to metabolize. And that matches the ester half-life. So if you inject testosterone antheate or cypionate, it's better to put it in grapeseed oil, cottonseed oil, uh, sesame oil, castor oil, etc., olive oil, because uh, you don't want this antheate to hit the bloodstream right away unless you're doing uh, daily micro-administrations. With MCT oil, I, I would say any ester, daily micro-administrations, ideally subcutaneous. Because um, it just absorbs too fast, and then the, the, of the half-life of the ester changes. Right? There's, a, there's, there's a study comparing uh, tea, uh, testosterone antheate in tea oil or peach oil versus uh, castor oil. Vastly different half-lives. Yeah, vastly different. Uh, uh, Mega Shredder, can you buy modafinil in pharmacies in Thailand? Yes. Yeah, one of the Indian brands, uh, starting with Alpha, sells modafinil here. I've used that myself. It's quite good. I wouldn't touch their injectables. Highly synthetic, highly solvent, highly bad for your inflammatory markers. But their tablets are actually quite good. So, yeah, they have modafinil, 200-milligram tablets. You crack those into four, 50 milligrams per time. More than enough to get the job done. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, there's a compounding pharmacy here, which you actually can enroll to. You go to my link tree. You look for the Gen Oracle and True Healthcare uh, compounding pharmacy and then have a consultation with Nikki. And then, uh, you know, more exciting stuff will be available through you uh, for modafinil. Right? So you don't have to go to the pharmacies. You can run all these peptides that I ran on prescription, legitimate, right? High potency, high quality. Um, and then you don't have to worry about uh, anything else. Yeah, True Healthcare. Contact Nikki and she'll uh, take care of you. But you'll probably have to do a consultation, uh, which is normal for any, um, you know, uh, health uh, clinic that's available. What is this? Stop this. All right. Let's end the chat right here because uh, Kryptonair said it. <laughs> All right. Uh, what good bodybuilding food prep companies are in Bangkok? I, do, I don't use any prep companies myself, but Aaron has a discount code. Uh, let me check. I think it's called Pure Prep, and he's very happy with it. Oh, somebody paid for a consultation. Uh, we'll get to you soon. <laughs> uh, I love PayPal updates that you get. Let's see. What is the company that Aaron uh, is with? They do his entire off-season right now. Mm -mm. Aaron, you got to update your fucking Instagram, dude. Oh, I don't see it. Oh, maybe he's not sponsored anymore. We'll have to get in touch with Aaron to see what's going on. I thought he was with a company, with a meal prep company. Hmm. Well, I have to check. Uh, yeah, so hold that thought. Ask me again next week. <laughs> hmm. I wonder what happened there. I'll ask him tomorrow. 
Uh, I don't know. Google something. You know, I think it's called pure prep. And uh, but I would rather make my own food. Yeah. Anton, uh, why did you decide to stay on gear? I I, I came off in January, dude. <laughs> I decided to stay on HCG and FSH for fertility purposes because I knew that. Um, you know, going through a full PCT was going to take uh, time and then I would lose all my gains. And even though I lost quite a bit of gains when I uh, take, took five weeks off and got a little bit fatter, um, now I'm back in the gym for f two weeks. I think I did, no, yeah, two weeks. I did two rota three rotations of push-pull legs and uh, everything starts to make sense again. So, no, I've been off gear for, f fuck, s over six months, dude. Yeah, but when will I get back on gear? Uh, hopefully sooner than later. Well, it'll just be TRT. Yeah. Uh, Basker, blood work after doing uh, tests a month ago, 25 milligrams. Oh God, we're going to have to decipher this. Okay, he takes testosterone, 25 milligrams every, every day, subcutaneous. His uh, levels came back at 1,700 nanograms per deciliter and estradiol, 103 picograms per milliliter. A bit high. Uh, have some sensitive nipples. Do I need AI or Novadex or both? I would do Novadex 20 milligrams before bed for a week or two until the nipple sensitivity is gone. Novadex has uh, one of the metabolites. Uh, norindoxaphine is a very potent aromatized inhibitor. So you get some aromatized inhibiting effect from the Novadex and the aromacin, which you're probably going to need. I would recommend one tablet per week, 12.5 milligrams Monday, Friday. Take the Novadex for one or two weeks. Nipple sensitivity should be gone by that time. Take the aromacin 12.5 milligrams Monday, Friday for four weeks. And then check your blood work again. Testosterone levels might be a little bit higher, and estradiol should be around 40 to 50 picograms per milliliter. If that's not the case, uh, you might need to add in another serving of aromacin, 12.5 milligrams on Wednesday, right? Do the blood work first, and then adjust from there. Rick Ross, can you stop taking Tomasartan cold turkey? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I came off cycle, I took Tomasartan out. Of course, if you're on 80 milligrams, you might want to taper that down from 80 to 40 for two weeks, four weeks, and then from 40 to 20 milligrams, two to four weeks. And uh, yeah, but I stopped the cold turkey, but I was on 40 milligrams. So that's more than enough. Rick Ross plans on doing a 23andMe test. Yes, when I go to the United States, I'll do a 23andMe again, or I'll do a 23andMe. I wanted to do it here in Thailand, but they don't ship here. Uh, apparently, it's not possible. So I'll do one when I'm in the U.S. And then, uh, yeah, let's see how many cousins and uncles and uh, relatives I have. Uh, I will not be uh, giving my real name <laughs> for 23andMe. <laughs> no way. You suddenly realize you have a lot of family members and they Google you. And they're like, oh, wow, oh he's quite successful. Uh, maybe we can get some money out of him. It's not going to happen. So, yeah, we'll do a 23andMe and I'll post the results here on uh, YouTube when I have those. But it... Might be December, you know, might be December. Oh, here, wait, Mega Shredder. I don't plan on being a broke expat. Good. I got money for my plan and already have a few clients uh, from uh, different services. I also don't drink. That might change when you get to Thailand. But good. Don't be a broke expat. All right. Kick some ass. Have some fun. All right. Become part of the wallpaper. And uh, yeah, I hope you can stay here longer than six months, dude. Because we need more good expats that are, care more about business than drinking. And they're a part of the vigorous community. Let's see, where are we? 
Other than pharmacies uh, by Nana Plaza in Bangkok, what other pharmacies offer PED? So in Silom, right, the Patpong Night Market, there's one of my favorite pharmacies. And uh, it's easy to recognize. Actually, it's not easy to recognize. Just look for two older ladies in their 50s. And uh, that is my go-to pharmacy here in Thailand. Yeah, Om and Mon. Mon. Um, yeah, those are lifesavers, those two. And other than that... Uh, Man, I don't really know. I just buy my stuff from Omemon. I've done that for the last decade. Uh, there's one uh, in Silom that sells the protein in the outside. That's on Silom Street, not on Patpong Night Market, but on the on the way to Patpong if you come from the BTS. There's one there. They have uh, they sell some protein. You go in, in, in there and you ask for uh, Mr. B. And they, they have some gear as well. Good prices. A lot of pharmaceutical stuff. All right, where are we? Rob Schlatman, Brother Steve, uh, what would be your top five recommended compounds for grappling? Test Anivar, Carterine, GH, and Primo. Thank you for your knowledge. Um, yeah, I would add so, like maybe a nootropic for that. Something that in increases reaction time. Uh, but which one? Maybe modafinil? Yeah, I'm not really sure. I mean, I don't do grappling, right? But there must be some nootropic out there that increases reaction time or Cimax or something like that, which is, you know, of course, when you get a lot of impact to the brain, you want something that increases neurogenesis. And otherwise, look at the cerebral lysin. Um, so, yeah, I think you're well on your way, man. Test, sounds good. A little bit of Anivar. Maybe uh, replace that for halotestin here and there, but not too many days because the longer you take halotestin, the more your stamina will go down. And then the cardarine is good. Maybe uh, look at the ICAR. You know, watch that endurance uh, PD part one. Yes, PD part two will be uh, next week. <laughs> it just took a lot of time to prepare. And the Primo, you could can uh, replace for either more tests. I, I don't think that has a place for grappling. Uh, the GH would be beneficial for recovery. Uh, I would rather have you replace the, the Primo with NPP for joint lubrication and a little bit of strength. Um, of course, it will increase your body weight, so my, you might switch or uh, you know shoot up another weight category, so keep that in mind. Um, but yeah, look into ICAR and, and some nootropic that improves reaction time, so you can be uh, well ahead before somebody starts to grapple you. D3, risks of long-term GH use of 2A use only. Um, financial drain. You know, I, I've talked about these free-form fatty acids and the reduction of insulin sensitivity so many times that I'm kind of tired of it. So uh, look into that. <laughs> and I, I don't see any risks, dude. You know, check your cancer markers if you're worried about that. Of course, if you take growth hormone, that it can accelerate cancer growth. And don't take your growth hormone uh, before, uh, you know, meals containing a lot of uh, fat and uh, carbohydrates. As long as you're active, as long as you're living the lifestyle, you're eating healthy, and as long as you're doing your blood work and checking your cancer markers uh, frequently, then I don't think there's any risk. No, none whatsoever. It's a bioidentical hormone, for fuck's sake. And, and when you're younger, you produce a comparable amount of two IUs. So... Musubi Monster. Ways not to crash SHBG on test and primo cycle. Um, it's going to come down. 
Primo or other DHT derivatives are just going to reduce your SHBG level. So I just mentioned it earlier, uh, selective estrogen receptor modulators, tergesterone, ectisterone, uh, estradiol valerates, ethanol estradiol, uh, thyroid hormones, you know, they can all modulate SHBG favorably to a certain extent. But if you're in a heavy dose of testin Primo, nothing on this planet will keep SHBG high unless you start injecting SHBG, which is available, but it's very, very expensive. Recombinant sexual hormone-binding globulin is available for research purposes at low milligram dosages. Um, so yeah. If you can source it from Sigma Aldrich or another uh, one of these raw providers and you have the money, inject it. Inject it, dude. Brian says phenylparacetam. Yeah, it could be. I, I've never really used any of the paracetam variants. I've used paracetam here and there, but can't remember if that improves reaction time. But if we'll take your word for it, Brian. All right, thanks for contributing. So the guy that asked about uh, the, Rob. All right, Rob, look into phenylparacetam as... Uh, on Brian's recommendation. What is the best hair safe oral? You really want to know the answer? <laughs> uh, it's not Anavar, it's not Anadrol. It's just good old regular oral, baby. It's the most hair safe. Yeah, all you have to do is kick back and let it happen. Uh, the animal, I think that's the most hair safe. Yeah. Mm, let's see. Let's see. Yeah, here. My buddy likes Halo for grappling and MMA. Yeah, Halo is quite popular in the grappling and the MMA space. Just the problem is after a couple of days, it kind of builds up. Uh, it reduces your stamina. So I would recommend maybe two, three, four, five days of experimentation on Halo in the off-season, and then when you figure out at which day your stamina and, and your overall performance goes down, then uh, you stick to the two-day, three-day, or five-day rule, right? The same as with Anadrol. Some people can load on Anadrol for a whole week before the show, and they just get leaner and fuller. And, and other guys, after two days, they get super watery, so they only can take Anadrol for two days. So, right, experiment, and then see what works. Oh, the ultimate well-being stack. I, I would just say TRT and maybe uh, Necessary. Yeah, I mean, my well-being was absolutely phenomenal in running fluvoxamine. But I think I'm going to use this Vorzioxetine, Trintelex, next time I get on Necessary. But again, that's month, months down the line probably. My wife said I don't need it anymore. She says, you're much better mentally now, even after, uh, off of it. I'm like, really? <laughs> Let's see what I'm on TRT again. Uh, yeah, I did like myself on an SSRI though. Very leveled and very uh, wholesome. Yeah, now I'm wholesome too, but my testosterone levels are only 600. So what do you expect? You know, it's, uh, yeah. let's see if my testosterone levels are like 3000, if I'm still wholesome. Buscar, uh, would 6.25 milligrams aromacin every three to four days also work? Dealing with some hair loss and... Red aromacin causes alopecia. Do I need to wait four weeks to check estradiol again? Yeah, usually it takes about two weeks uh, or four weeks for estradiol levels to kind of normalize. So if you take the Nolvidex uh, first, of course, you get more of an aromatized enzyme uh, inhibition in the beginning, but your levels are also higher. 
So I would say four weeks, dude. Just give yourself some time. And the reason why aromacin might cause hair loss is because dihydrotestosterone testosterone levels are going up. So you can choose. You can either let the testosterone convert into estradiol and get less risk of hair loss because estradiol is good for hair growth and overall skin health and stuff. Uh, or you can inhibit some of the estradiol conversion and prevent gyno and then risk higher DHT levels and thus cause, uh, you know, hair loss. So no free rides, dude. This is steroids. You're always going to get some side effects. And otherwise you do it like me, you go bald. Which is very liberating. Uh, uh, uh. Stem cell treatments are available in Thailand. Cheap? Uh, no, they're not cheap here. <laughs> not at all. You would need to go to Mexico or Colombia or somewhere like that. It's way cheaper over there. Here it's very, very expensive because stem cells... Uh, are usually only done by the Thai elite, and they're stupid rich. <laughs> really, they're stupid rich. There's so many billionaires here, it's disgusting. Um, yeah, and they just spend the money because they don't know any better. And they don't do any research. They just go by the clinic. They're like, yeah, I, want, I want to look younger. And, the, and the, you know, the clinic put them on all kinds of weird protocols and overcharges them like far, four times, And uh, but they can get away with it. So stem cells, I would go to Colombia or Mexico. Yeah. Look at that clinic that helped Dennis James. I uh, can't remember what the name of it was, but uh, I see that they are getting good results and it seems to be quite affordable. Yeah, when I'm older, I'll probably go to Colombia as well. Joshua, my friend has brain trauma from motorcycle accident six months ago. He can speak okay, but seems a bit off. Too late to heal with drugs. Cerebral Uh you can give it a try. But again, I'm not a doctor. So uh, keep that in mind. Right? You, you, can, you can give it a try with your friend's consent and maybe run that past the doctor. Um, you know, it's never too late to heal with drugs. I mean, I took cerebralizin, what was it, a year ago for a month? And uh, it seems that, you know, the healing effect and the, and the cognition and stuff is still there, even though I did take some, you know, fluvoxamine for continuous neurogenesis in the meantime. But I will uh, rather look into Trintelex because there's actually a lot of research. And when I do have some experience with Trintelex or Vorioxetine, I'll make a comparison video, right? And I won't open my mouth until I have some experience with the compound. Not like all of these other educators that just go to PubMed, start reading stuff, and they're like, oh, this looks fascinating. Might be beneficial. And they don't even have any real, real world experience. Shut the fuck up. You know what I like more? is these uh, evidence-based guys that never post <laughs> fucking referrals, <laughs> references, and citations. I'm evidence-based. And they go, this study, blah, 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 this study, blah, blah. And you go through the description section or the article, no citations. <laughs> I don't know how you guys let them get away with it. At least I post citations when I fucking use studies. Next week, I got a very interesting video coming out about tobacco increasing testosterone levels. Citations out of my ass. Right? They're coming out of PubMed, but I have a lot of citations in that video. Now, if you want to be evidence-based, at least post the fucking citations. Uh, back to the topic. It's worthy to give it a try, right? Cerebralizin is used for brain trauma and, uh, you know, uh, brain damage. So uh, look into it, and uh, 5 to 10 milliliters uh, would be a good starting point, but maybe he needs more, right? So discuss it with your friend, discuss it with his doctor, and then make a decision. Daniel Pez, after one year cycle, hair loss finally started. Third cycle, first time losing hair, recommended regime for hair loss during PCT. 
Thanks as always, Steve. So if it took such a long time to develop hair loss, you're probably deficient in particular micronutrients or you're really hammered to the DHT derivatives. Um, so again, look into all compounds which contribute to hair growth. Vitamin A, vitamin uh, E, zinc, fish oil, I think some of the B vitamins, uh, of, of course, uh, you know, animal meat sources, collagen for keratin production, right? Um, what a lot of people don't understand is when they go on cycle, their micronutrient uh, requirements go up. And if you are not doing that, then your muscle is going to take that away from other organs, including the hair follicle. This is why a lot of people experience hair loss on cycle. If it didn't happen in the first or second cycle, and now in the third cycle it started happening, then either you blasted the DHT derivatives, or you've just not been paying attention to your nutrition. And again, before you start taking gear, uh, you need to pay attention to your nutrition first. Otherwise, side effects like this will start to happen. So uh, please uh, look into that. Right? A simple Google search is which, uh, which minerals and multivitamins or, or you know, uh, micronutrients contribute to hair growth. Make sure you get all of them. And then during PCT, um, you can't mitigate any hair loss during PCT unless you use some sort of topical uh, minoxidil or ketoconazole. And uh, yeah, that might alter the drug metabolism of the selective estrogen receptor modulators that you're going to take during PCT because, what was it, ketoconazole is a potent cytochrome P450 enzyme inhibitor. So, all right, yeah, you probably didn't think about that, but that is something you're going to have to think about going further. Alvaro, dude, you should be working, man. <laughs> I'm joking. What are your thoughts on Roman Fritz's diet and his crazy high amounts of carbs? I mean, it clearly works for him. So, uh, you know, keep in mind that Roman Fritz has literally starved himself for a couple of years. So I don't think he has any adipose tissue left. I don't think he can gain any fat besides, uh, you know, thickening or, or thinning of the skin during a uh, cycle or off season. So, dude, I mean, a lot of car uh, pros with high-volume workouts, they're in crazy amount of carbs, and it works for them. You know, they're also all in crazy amounts of steroids, which Roman Fritz admitted to many, many times on the Paul Barnett Anabolic Podcast. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, yeah, you know, it sounds crazy, but it works for these guys, you know? It works for these guys, and Roman Fritz has been living the lifestyle nonstop for the last couple of decades. So, you know, high carbs, high volume, high PEDs, it works well for him, and it seems that he finally found his formula and doesn't over-diet and doesn't over-diuretic to the point he looks super, super flat on stage. Now he finally looks full as a house. So I really hope he wins the show uh, soon because, uh, you know, he's due for one. And uh, I would like to see him on the Olympia stage this year because I'll be in the front row uh, being buddy-buddy with Chase Irons in the VIP section. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Brandon. Do PRP injections actually work? Minor rotator cuff tear for a year. BPC and TB500 helped for some, but mo almost no pain now, but still not 100%. So if you have a minor rotator cuff tear, uh, you might need to do surgery to get that reattached. Um, PRP injections might help, but again, depending on the severity of the tear, um, PRP, TB500, BPC, 157, ARA290, GHK copper, growth hormone, whatever you can take, the tendon is not magically going to migrate and reattach themselves, right? The, the, the Wolverine stack is close to Wolverine, but not exactly Wolverine <laughs> to the point that everything starts reattaching itself. So do an MRI or an echo on your rotator cuff, see how bad it's torn, consider the surgery, 
And then after surgery, do the PRP injections and continue with the BBC and TB500. And otherwise, do the PRP to give it a try. I mean, it's not that expensive. It's cheaper than surgery, that's for sure. Give it a try, right? And immobilize your arm for a while so the, the PRP will work. Maybe do a little bit of stem cells if you can afford it. And then uh, see what happens, right? See what happens. I should do some on this left shoulder. I took five weeks off, right, from the gym. It's already not good anymore. Sucks balls. Hard for crypto. Zero, zero, zoling. Zero zoling. Or other water pills for back pumps. I, I don't know what zero zoling is. Let's Google that. Zero, zero, zoling. What the hell is that? Oh, it's a thiazide diuretic. Okay. Uh, yeah, for lower back pumps. I don't think that's a good idea. Well, where are we? Um, I'm taking the other supplements recommended in your video, but I'm still uh, dying on and off orals. Maybe you just have to brute force it. I don't take diuretics chronically for lower back pumps. You know, if you're already taking the taurine and the electrolyte intake is just beneficial, brute force it by doing... Um, you know, good mornings and uh, hyper extensions every day until the back pumps are gone. That's what I did. I got so sick and tired of the lower back pumps on Anadrol or, or Orals or Trimbalone that at one point I just said, fuck you, asshole. Fuck you, asshole. And then <laughs> with horrible Arnold <laughs> impersonation. Um, I just uh, did uh, reverse hyper or regular hyper extensions every day until I got such a crazy pump that the pump went away. Because the fascia got, uh, you know, um, what is it, uh, uh, stretched, sort to say. It took a, a couple of weeks, but it did go away after all. So give that a try. You know, you'll, you'll, man, you'll, your butt cheeks will literally be on fire, of course. But give that a try. I've heard several clients of myself do the same after I recommended it. And they just do their lower, uh, you know, their hyperextensions religiously after the workout to the point they're crying. And they're literally on the floor on, uh, you know, one of those, uh, you know, foam rollers at the end of it. But after a couple of weeks, it goes away and then it never happens. I haven't had a lower back pump in ages, even when I was doing heavy cycles, uh, you know, a while back. A heavy cycle, grammar stuff. Uh, what what MP production, what in T productions? Fire the cause as you suggested. Uh, okay, that's good. I can't remember. Uh, I answer a lot of questions, <laughs> but I'll take your word for it. Currently 22 years old, 180 pounds, 18 to 20% body fat. Cycle recommended for cut or recomp was on 500 tests, 250 AQ with uh, no fat coach. Oh, okay. I would just stay on 500 tests and 250 milligrams EQ, but add a little bit of fat and, and modulate your diet so you can start losing some body fat. You know, maybe do 375 tests, 375 EQ in a one-to-one -one ratio so you don't have super high estradiol. Because at 20% body fat, you might still have a lot of aromatization because this dose of EQ might not be sufficient. I would rather have you run Mastrone because, again, EQ might potentiate some kidney damage. Um, again, so Mastrone has not been you know investigated to that extent, so it might just also potentiate kidney damage. But the scientific literature isn't as extensive as Boldenone. <laughs> so, uh, oh, Mastrone is kidney safe. No, you fucking retard. <laughs> There's no evidence that it is, right? Absence of evidence isn't evidence of absence, but 
try explaining that to somebody who never went to school or never went to a real school. Anyway, um, so maybe uh, maybe do like 375 test and 375 Mastron and or 375 Primo and then uh, cut down and keep checking your serum estradiol levels along the way. You don't have a coach anymore, so you have money for blood work. And then just do it yourself, dude. But add a little bit of fat back into your diet. Now remember. All right, next one. Vic, three pumps on Testogel and blood work after six weeks. Test at 72 nanomoles per liter. Okay, so it's almost three times out of the reference range. Wow. Estradiol at 300 is also twice out of the reference range. Uh, estrogen to uh, high is a good ratio. I'm bloated, warm, sweat a lot. Uh, energy and libido is good. Yeah, so your estradiol is a little bit too high. This is gyno territory. Certainly retaining a lot of water, as you mentioned. Um, so maybe go to uh, two pumps for a bit because your testosterone is also very, very high. Uh, then your estradiol will come down and then uh, maybe look into dynol methane to bring it down even further. That's DIM, D-I-M. Diandol methane. I'm sure somebody will post it in the comment section later on. And then uh, start using that. And if that doesn't bring it down, right, for going from three pumps to two pumps and uh, adding in 200 milligrams of diandol methane per day, then look into an aromatized inhibitor, right, to bring your estradiol levels down further. Daniel. So coming off cycle, minoxidil hair uh, gains are temporary once I stop taking it. I'm pretty sure the hair loss was definitely micronutrient deficiency. Yes, yeah, so, so minoxidil and ketoconazole, of course, when you take it, it might, uh, you know, potentiate some hair regrowth. But once you stop taking it, uh, you know, that effect will go away, which is a good thing. It's not like uh, you want the minoxidil and the ketoconazole to just keep progressively make, get more hair, get more hair, get more hair, to the point you look uh, well, like Cousin It, if you're old enough to know who that is. <laughs> you never know. Um, so yeah, just take that for a while to kind of potentiate the effects of the hair loss that you're experiencing right now. Focus on your diet, bring your micronutrients back into the picture. And then over time, uh, hopefully everything will play out and you uh, have a full head of hair. So you're sexy and on the market and no women are going to dump you and they're not going to make fun of you and all that stuff that, you know, people are worried about when they start losing your hair. And trust me, if you end up with women that don't give a shit about your hair, you know, life's good. All right. Super chat or super sticker, I guess. I hope there's a question. Yeah, you look like a Shaolin monk. Yeah. There you go. Shaolin monk. All I need is like a couple dots here. It can be like Krillin. <laughs> Krillin always fucking got the short end of the stick because he wasn't the... Uh, saying poor guy oh here we go do you like thai bananas <sighs> should i ban this guy not sure if serious uh there's a couple bananas in thailand that are nice yeah we're not going to go into the innu innuendo but um there's some very tasteful bananas here i have no idea what they're oh, home 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 mali i think they're very small um oh it's thailand after all <laughs> <laughs> I said I wasn't going to do it, but I still did. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I'm going to get deported. Um, Homali. Is it called Homali? Let me check. Homali. Oh, that's rice. <laughs> Fuck. 
home banana. Home glue glue I home. Sorry, glue I home. Yeah, it's called glue I home. So that's a a, a a banana that smells nice. They're about this this big, and when you open them up, they smell better than any banana you've ever tasted. They taste ten times better. Also, they're tiny. It's like they took the Chiquita banana and then kind of compressed it. Um, you know, like they did in the Oppenheimer movie. They compressed it, all the flavors in this tiny banana, very expensive. And, uh, yeah, very, very tasty. And all of the other bananas in Thailand, they're usually tucked. And, uh, yeah, I don't really know what's going on. Ask, ask Tony Huge and uh, Connor Murphy. They're more in the know about those subjects than I am. Uh, Basker started topical 5% minoxidil and 0.1% finasteride and 2% ketoconazole shampoo. Any side effects to expect from topical finasteride? Uh, no, at such a low dose, it shouldn't really go that systemic. So I don't expect you get uh, hair loss, but some people get an allergic response or some sort of autoimmune response from minoxidil um, or ketoconazole. So Again, just apply a little bit, see how you respond, and then maybe bring it up slowly over time to make sure you don't have an adverse reaction. And keep in mind, minoxidil and ketoconazole can go systemic at these concentrations, and they might inhibit you know, some other enzyme, enzymatic reactions in the body as well. So again, guys, no free rides. Just slowly build it up and then uh, see how you respond. But it sounds like a good stack to mitigate hair loss. Yeah. Would you yield more results if you take growth hormone at 20 to 25 than starting older 30% due to the limited cell replications at an older age? Um, you just speed up aging, right? So you get to like 30 years old faster. <laughs> no, but I don't think there's anything wrong with taking growth hormone at 20 to 25 years old if you live the lifestyle and, and you know your bodybuilding is part of it and, and you love it. You can also get away with the growth hormone secretagogue because usually at 20, 20 to 25 years old, you still produce adequate amounts of growth hormone by yourself. So why don't you look into uh, ipromyrelin, tesamorelin, MK677, GHRP6, etc., and see if your growth hormone and IGF-1 levels shoot up quite a bit. Maybe you can get a budget stack for yourself instead of using exogenous growth hormone and then incorporate the exogenous growth hormone when you're over 30 and uh, growth hormone uh, levels are going down. And regarding the limited cell replication, I mean, if you have high AGF, high growth hormone levels, and you eat a ton of food, the cell replication is still going to take place. Yeah, I don't believe in that. Yeah, you just have to make sure that you don't shorten your telomeres. You know, and you have astragalus root extract, which have some compound which can enhance telomerase, or um, what is it? Uh, the the, the ipitalin, right? And there's a couple other peptides which can increase telomerase activity. So we have uh, cell proliferation and the telomeres of the DNA, they don't shorten, they kind of self-replicate. And this is how you prevent aging and uh, senescence of the cells as well. So unfortunately, no blood work for it. So you're just going to go, uh, have to go with the uh, evidence and do a couple of Hail Marys. And then hope, hopefully everything will play out. Alvaro, man, you're busy, dude. What are the negative side effects from high estrone, specifically its effect on the kidneys? Uh, I think it was an increase in uh, inflammatory cytokines or fuck, what was it? I mean, I'd had, I'd, honestly, I'd have to do a refresher. That's not so fresh in my memory. But I, I do think that it has a secondary effect on some molecules that increase uh, some sort of autoimmune 
thing? I'm not sure. Let's revisit that question after I've done the research. <laughs> Bert. Or Kurt. Kurt Batman. Shit. Kurt Batman. Steve, how would you go about troubleshooting chronic fatigue, assuming it's already seven to eight hours of sleep a night of all PEDs and drugs? Uh, it could be... Um, what is it? Uh, adrenal insufficiency. So if you're off all PEDs and drugs, but your DHEA levels are still low, maybe you still need to supplement with a little bit of DHEA and pregnenolone. Maybe you're not sleeping properly. Get a sleep tracker. See if you have sleep apnea. Maybe um, you just need to go on vacation. You know, maybe you need to take two weeks, three weeks, six weeks, or two months off from the gym. There's so many things you can look into. Um, you know, maybe check your adrenal hormones and all of the cascades that come along with that with a Dutch saliva test, right? That will pinpoint a lot of issues as well, especially with your adrenals. You know, maybe maybe minimize your caffeine intake. It's 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 a lot of things you can look into. You know, ashwagandha root extract, phosphatidylserine might uh, improve your cortisol uh, levels. And if you combine that with DHA sulfate, that increases your insulin, your sensitivity to the adrenals. Samax is also good for that. Increases your sensitivity to adrenals and uh, neurosteroids. 500 micrograms to one milligram per day, right? Intranasally, spread out over two administrations. So a couple of things you can look into. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's probably multifactorial, you know. You know, it's funny, Indians, they keep spamming. I don't know what it is culturally, but like, look at me, 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 answer my question, et cetera, et cetera. And it just never ends there. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, you're muted. House cat, have you ever used glut? What, glutamine and NAD plus? Glutathione, you mean? Okay, glutathione. Have you ever used glutathione and NAD intramuscular? Not sure on dosing. I just answered this a little bit earlier. Uh, most even so info is IV. I'm concerned about sides. Some say crazy anxiety, even with slow IV drips. Uh, so it bolus. So I've used uh, intramuscular glutathione every single day of the week. Uh, besides, no, that's not true. Four days a week because I do intravenous uh, once a week. So that's 1,800 milligrams intravenous once a week. So it lasts me three days and I take 600 milligrams glutathione on the other days, uh, three days following the intravenous administration. I've never done NAD plus uh, intramuscularly, but somebody earlier on asked about this. So look into the timestamps when they're ready. Alvaro, get the work. <laughs> no pressure. Should be up, uh, up in a couple of hours, guys. And then uh, I answer NAD plus intramuscularly uh, quite in depth there already. Um, so yeah, the crazy anxiety, uh, that's probably uh, coming from me because uh, I don't hear anybody else talk about intravenous NAD plus on uh, YouTube. So yeah, probably somebody regurgitating what I've been saying for the last year. So I would do it intravenously, but if you uh, can't get it, um, you know, Sub-Q, intramuscular, small dosages every day to kind of offset that. Yeah. Rick Ross, thoughts on Larry Wheels Rapto? I didn't know he had Rapto. I'll look into it. Um, so no thoughts. <laughs> Sorry. You know, I don't know what Larry Wheels is doing. I think he's preparing for a bodybuilding competition or he's still doing armor wrestling and stuff. I, I don't really follow these influencers because you watch a video and you don't really learn anything. Um, 
uh, maybe I should so I can make more reaction videos, but I made two reaction videos now to Jesse James West, and I can't say that the, the views were that um, better than uh, doing informational content. So, you know, let's see, I'll have a look, and if there's something educational there and I can make a reaction video, then I'll, I'll make one. But rap, though, is just, uh, yeah, shit happens, you know? Another one. Neo's info. Do you have a question? Oh, there it is. There oh, yeah, it is. Okay. Uh, low SH. Okay. Low SHBG. 13. Okay. Not too low, but not 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 ideal like 2025. High free testosterone. Total. Uh, low total testosterone. 200. Estradiol mid-range. 28. No energy. Tired. A little bit of erectile dysfunction. Taking nothing. What would you suggest? Okay. Uh, first things first, do a uh, ultrasound on your testicles to see to look for to look for a varicose cell or bilateral varicose cell. Maybe the blood flow to your testicles is insufficient. With this low SHBG, though, usually in um, you know with these kinds of symptoms, you would see SHBG being a little bit higher. So there might be uh, something going on with your thyroid as well. It could be an indication of micronutrient deficiency, over dieting, uh, you know. Um, hereditary issues so i would do a little bit more blood work and just kind of pinpoint what else is going on within your body like if your hematocrit is low and your thyroid panel is low and 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 other metabolic markers are are off then you know there might be something more underlying than just the varicose cell so you know try to do everything you can to get as healthy as possible again get a varicose varicose cell diagnosed and if there's no varicose cell then you can look into something like hcg monotherapy in clomiphene monotherapy, clomid monotherapy, full-blown TRT. I don't know what your age is. I don't don't know what your medical background is. Um, so that you all need to get diagnosed. And then, um, you know, with all due time, you need to make the appropriate adjustments and then uh, get yourself healthy and energetic uh, without any erectile dysfunction or libido issues. But it, it might take some time. It, this looks like something that's uh, been there for a while, and it might be self-induced. But it could also be uh, from uh, varicose cell, right? So, you know, focus on your nutrition and do an ultrasound and then take it from there. Because it's, uh, yeah, it's, of course, sucks to have low levels like this. Mm-mm-mm. Let's see. Ah, somebody, somebody already figured it out. Will the podcast with Tanner be up on the 30th or the 31st? Uh, Monday. So that's the 31st. Yeah. Monday, buddy. Yeah, I got three shorts and two hours with Tanner. I wanted to shit test him a little bit, but he did good. Good kid. You'll, you guys will like this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you will like it. It was very, very fun. Yeah. Tanner Tattered is a good guy. Welcome to the fitness industry. Uh, Fall. Super sticker. Thank you. Much appreciated. How many grams of simple sugars is too much? Um, I mean, if it's intra-workout, 50 grams might be too much. But if it's any other points during the day, I, I would say like 5 grams with meals. It really depends on where you get your simple sugars from. If it's from fruit, you know, some of the fruits contain a lot of simple sugars, but because it also contains fiber and a little bit of starchy carbs, the, the simple sugars take a long time to digest. So the glycemic index, the glycemic load isn't that high. Um, so, yeah, you know, if your teeth start hurting and you get into a hypoglycemic or hyperglycemic state, you feel a little bit dizzy. 
and you start running around like a maniac, like all those young kids when they had a lollipop, uh, that's certainly too much. And uh, keep in mind, if you get simple sugars in a lot and you don't get any micronutrients for it, no magnesium, no potassium, no zinc, no uh, vitamins, no B vitamins, etc., then it's too much. Yeah. Fuck, uh, well, fuck you, okay. How to maintain good skin like most bodybuilders while using testy? Eat healthy. Eat healthy. Eat healthy. Yeah, and inject your testosterone and it's subcutaneous every single day to prevent hormonal fluctuations. I have a ton of uh, videos about acne, so give those a watch and uh, you'll get some good in, uh, ideas for skin health as well. And otherwise, injectable glutathione. I mean, look at my skin, but I'm not on testosterone or anything. So let's see when I get back on cycle if my skin stays the same. Uh, 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 or are we? Jeez, how many times have you spam that question, dude? What is this? You know what? I answer your question, but I'm still going to block you. <laughs> I fucking hate this shit. <laughs> fucking despicable, you know? Pass the posting it ten times. Grow the fuck up. Theo, your opinion on Anivar, 5 milligrams per day, plus Primo, 50 milligrams a week. Fuck, that's really low, dude. <laughs> Growth amount, 2 IUs per day. Clean, for 1652. 16.52? What? Is it 20 micrograms, I guess, for women? Oh, you were talking about women. Any virilization from your experience? Any other additions? Take the Primo out, it will virilize her for sure. But 5 milligrams Anivar per day, 2 IUs of growth hormone and 20 micrograms of clen. Uh, I don't see a problem with that. I have 3 or 4 videos uh, dedicated for women. Give those a watch. All you have to do is type in women. And you'll get like 5 videos that are all dedicated for women about how to maintain the periods while doing um, you know, contest prep and uh, virilizing compounds and safer, uh, safe uh, and, and you know relatively safe performance enhancing drugs and I think I have another one and those uh, those you should watch with your significant other to get some ideas 25 milligrams DHEA goes a long way as well uh, Primo is, is next level and that will cause some virilization even if you do 15 milligrams three times a week it will still cause virilization so um, my wife never used Primo and she won all the shows yeah but the other stuff allegedly maybe perhaps drug testing yeah so can't lately say too much. Another super sticker. Much appreciated. Oh, Feiku, Feiku Nemu. Okay, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, maybe that's why he was spamming, no? <laughs> some, some people, dude. All right, stop the super chats. You got 10 minutes left. Daniel Paz, on HCGL cycle, how often should I check my blood work on PCT to see if I'm back to baseline? Fairly expensive, so I'd rather check it at least as possible. Um, so before, actually, just finish your PCT, check your blood work then, just serum testosterone levels, luteinizing hormone, estradiol levels, and then check it three months later. So you have two blood works that you need to do, which I think I mentioned in the PCT video, but I guess you didn't watch it. Uh, again, just type in PCT and you'll get a video about it. 
I got videos about everything. <laughs> but feel free to super chat me anyway. Um, so yeah, at the end of your BCT and then three months later to see if your LH and FSH levels are comparable to right after finishing the BCT, right? Because now you're still stimulating um, luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone secretion by blocking the estrogen receptors by the use of selective, selective estrogen receptor modulators. So um, yeah, twice. And all you have to do is check your hormone panel, which is like six, six more LH, FSH, total free, bioavailable, estradiol, SHBG, seven. Right? Bioavailable, you can take off. Six, six markers, SHBG. And that's it. Steve, what do you think is the worst type of hypogonadism to have? Primary, secondary, or tertiary? I have no idea how that's classified. <laughs> To be honest, <laughs> I'd have to do research. I have no idea, dude. But if you're subclinical, you have to fix that. <laughs> Obviously, you know. Obviously. So I have no idea what that stands for. Primary. Primary is that uh, your testicles don't work. Secondary is that your um, uh, pituitary gland doesn't work. And tertiary is that um, your mouth doesn't work and you simply starve yourself. I don't know, dude. Sorry, I don't know what it what it stands for. I do know that if you have hypogonadism, that, that we have to treat it, and whatever classification that falls under, uh, that's it. Right? We treat the patient, not the the classifications. Guys, no more super chats. Stop it. This is the last one. Yeah, this is the last one. Rick Ross. Test train masteron for female to male transgender. Uh, I have no idea. That's not my forte. That's not my forte, guys. Uh, sorry. This is uh, way beyond me. So, uh, you know, do do what has to be done. Donnie, super sticker. Much appreciated. All right. This is the last one, Bashkar. Any other super chance after this will not be entertained? My Bilirubin, the total and direct values from uh, the 12th of April. So that's uh, quite outdated already. Uh, one, yeah, okay, 19. Okay, they went up. Went up more. Okay, keep getting words. Any thoughts? I don't drink. Okay, so you might have biliary obstruction. Do an ultrasound on your gallbladder. And then um, Matt Epton. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> I knew it. Uh, Matt Epton is good people. He comments on every video, so the algorithm is stroked because of Matt. Matt is the goat of the algorithm strokers. Yeah, there's a couple other guys. There's the algo guy and Matt Epton. And a couple other guys comment on every video, so he can do a super sticker, no problem. Thank you, Matt. Let's get back to the question. Okay, um, so do an ultrasound on your uh, uh, gallbladder to see if you have any biliary obstruction. And um, check your stool because there might be an issue with um, enterohepatic recirculation because uh, bilirubin gets glucuronidated. That's the difference between total and direct bilirubin. And if there's an issue with your intestinal tract, you might uh, take the glucuronidide off the bilirubin and now it gets reabsorbed and just keeps and keeps and keeps and keeps going. Um, of course, bilirubin and gall, um, um, not, not gallbladder, bile acid is what colors your stool a certain color. So you can easily inspect your stool to see if it has a different color than usual. Um, to inhibit uh, glucuronidate recycling in the enterohepatic recirculation, you can take uh, hydrolyzed casein protein, 
And these are things I have experience with, so I can it rolls off the tongue easily. When you talk, uh, you ask about uh, you know tertiary or primary or uh, you know secondary uh, hypogonadism. I have no fucking idea, but this I do know. <laughs> this I do know. So let's continue. Um, hydrolyzed casein protein can uh, some of the compounds within, or uh, baby's milk. Baby's milk also works, right? Not formula, but regular baby's milk. So if your partner that's lactating, get busy. Um, <laughs> so uh, the, the hydrolyzed casein protein has inhibitors of the glucuronidase. I think it's glucuronidase enzymes that recycles the glucuronidase from the bilirubin, uh, causing it to be uh, reabsorbed. And that way you can kind of excrete it in the intestinal tract. But... You know, they're, they're, both things might be going on. So it's either not excreting properly from the liver and it's getting stuck in the, in the you know, the gallbladder and it's kind of getting backed up. Maybe you have some cysts or, um, you know, whatever else is going on in there. And again, you can determine that with an ultrasound and then you need, you know, either surgery or a heavy dose of tutka and uh, ox bile. Again, don't just start supplementing that in, get it diagnosed. And then the re anterior hepatic recirculation you can kind of do with the casein protein. So look into those things, and then hopefully it fixes itself. And otherwise, uh, check your hematocrit levels because, you know, maybe you get an abnormal amount of red blood cell destruction. And, of course, the longer that continues, the more anemic you're going to get. And that's also problematic. So, you know, with levels like this, I would just seek some medical attention and, and professional guidance. And then get that diagnosed with some of the guidelines that I just gave you. Because, it, again, it could be multifactorial. All right, so Matt Epton, uh, Super Chat. All right, let's close it off, guys, because I'm getting a little bit tired. It's been a long day. Uh, thank you for all of your questions. Um, so the Tanner Tattered uh, podcast will be up on Monday. I have a video coming out about... Uh, testosterone or uh, smoking actually increasing testosterone levels which is very very interesting i read all of the scientific literature that you don't have to and uh we'll get started on the endurance uh, pd part two but it might not be up uh, next week because uh that is a lot of work for my editor so it might be up the week after right for now we are out of time thank you guys so much for watching uh slap liquor yeah thank you well for everybody who doesn't know, slap lecker means a sweet uh, sleep nice. Yeah, sleep nice. <laughs> so, um, guys, enjoy your weekend. Tomorrow I'll go watch Barbie. Uh, if I turn into a transgender next week, then don't blame me, right? We're in Thailand after all. It's uh, blame the, uh, the director in the studio. Don't blame me, okay? <laughs> Thank you guys so much for watching. <laughs> and I'll see you in the next video. Peace out, guys.